When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Support Wrestle Talk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Raven. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello there, Podswafters. Welcome to the month of June and seemingly week 38 of lockdown here in the UK. Boy, our government is managing this pandemic well. We hope you're all safe and sound wherever you are in the world. And if you're like us and a suck at home, or if you're one of the few that are now traveling into work, or if you're one of our wonderful key workers, we hope you enjoy this very long review of the very ill-advised WWF invasion from our Patreon archives. The one time of the year that WWE, WCW, and ECW go head-to-head in direct competition, which features such classic bouts as, uh, Raven versus William Regal, and, um, X-Pac versus Billy Kidman, and, uh, oh, Nick Patrick versus Earl Hebner. Actually, that last one might be the second best match on the night. It also features a man who was struggling from one of the worst heel turns in history turn heel again. So sit back and enjoy our very long review of WWF Invasion. And if you like what you hear, please do consider becoming one of our pledge hammers on Patreon today over at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk, where you'll get reviews like this every single month. Here's the show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My countrymen and my friends, I had hoped against hope that some miracle would prevent a devastating war and bring to an end the invasion. This most serious threat World Wrestling Federation has ever known. The long-term future sports entertainment that changed forever. A succession of actual wars have shaken the entire world and have threatened to bring on the gigantic conflict, which is today unhappily a fact. Welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Extra Podcast. I'm Ollie Davis. This is the first thing I've recorded since I've been back. I haven't spoken this loudly for about nine days. I'm talking this loudly and my ear is popping. <laughs> I think this is a thing from the airplane still. Oh, I've still yeah? got a little air bubble in my ear that I didn't know was there. 
come back on Sunday? Like what? Like... I got back on. I got back yesterday. Yes. On Tuesday. Oh, yesterday. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got back on Sunday. You got back on Tuesday. Yeah. You're thinking t- about what... yourself again. Sorry. What time was that though? We Pete we did... touched down at about three p.m. Oh, okay, because the way that Pete had explained it to me is that you had landed much earlier in the day. And there was a chance you could have come in, but you decided that you were going to take the day to sort of, like, recover. What? Well, that's the way that Pete told me at the pub. Never. No, no, I was uh, very much in transit all day. And I actually thought, don't blame him. I think it's a really smart thing to do. I wish I took the day off. Yeah, do you know what? I had the exact same (laughs) thing after my holiday. I was like, I wish I'd taken the extra day off as well. But you had loads of uh, sleep-deprived... Jet lag to deal yes. with. Yeah. I, mine was only two hours. Oh, that's a short difference. flight. Yeah. Oh no, no, it was four-hour flight. Oh, but there right, was okay. two hours difference. Right, in, I'm with you. You know, now. if Hulk Hogan worked both in the Greek islands mm-hmm. and the UK, yeah, he would have only worked about 365 days a year. I see. Rather yeah. than 400. I see. I'm with you now. I'm Ollie Davis, and I'm joined for this Patreon Pledgehammer exclusive show. By Luke Owen. Hello, Swaff Nation. Hello, Pledgehammers. And a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? Well, I'm back. And in a way, Luke, you're back. Yes, we're back together once again. Because Pete did uh, a show that he was predisposed... Predisposed... Uh, Predisposed. Mm. Whoppa! (laughs) (laughs) So that's a... Do you know what that is? I don't. I just know that you've been saying it a lot around the oh, office yeah. today. Yeah, it's kind of a nervous tick now. <laughs> so when I was in Greece, I should save this for the other podcast that we do. <laughs> they uh, Don't waste all the good content. Yeah, you know when um you you Zorba the Greek, they do that dance and you throw plates at the dancers' feet. Every time something smashes, it's tradition for everyone to go, Oppa Sorry, I keep putting a W. Oppa. Okay. Oppa like that. Which means? Uh, I don't know. Oh. I think it might mean faster or dance, bitch, dance. Oopa. I've spelled that as uh, uh, O-P-P-A. See, I'd say Greece. O-O-P-A if I was to write it down. O-P-A. Yeah, O-P-A Greek. Uh, It is a Greek emotional expression. Blah, 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 blah. Plate smashing. Uh, It doesn't really say what it means. Maybe it's just like, oi. Or, uh, it was popular, come on! It was popularised in American culture by the film My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Ah. Yeah. Oppa! Anyway, so sometimes when I just screw up or want to divert people's attention, for the last week at least, I've just been going, Oppa! Nice. I see, and it works, because I don't know what we were talking about. In terms of... Just now. Just now. Oh, because you were saying something about Pete being dispo... Now I can't say the word. Disposed. But it's not disposed, is it? Because... That that means to Predisposed? get rid of. Predisposed. <laughs> I mean, we know what we know, we know, words, what, we're I know saying, what we're saying. Yeah, and the listeners know. Yeah, but I uh, don't know how to say the word yeah. because I'm a bit thick. Upper. So, so Pete was insert word. You haven't finished the sentence. Conditioned to hate that pay per view. Yes, ECW One Night Stands <laughs> 2006. I did listen to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very curious to see uh, your thoughts on the show and Pete's thoughts. And um, I was very surprised when you both were like, what was One Night Stand a show after this? When they basically just like, it was the original Extreme Rules. And they mm. were, you were like, there was one in 2010. There was one in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. That, for, for whatever reason, I have forgotten all about those. Yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of jogged a memory when I saw the awful WWE-ized posters with Big oh. Show and Sheamus on. Although, for me, really, the big takeaway from that show, aside from the fact that you had to redo a large portion of it, which is, you know, it's no one's fault, apart from Pete's. But it's, yeah, it's, it's mainly no Pete's. No, it's, yeah, it's mainly Pete's, but it's no one's fault, really. Hopper. Hopper. Um, was that he called uh, Wyclef Jean, Wyclef Jean. Oh, he's just read that off a page. He, and that's exactly what I said to him. I was like, Pete, I think you're a great presenter. I think you've done really well since coming in here. But, mate, it's Wyclef Jean. Like, that, that's commonly known if, if you grew up in the, in the early 2000s, I suppose. And I was like, he did a song with The Rock. That's what I was going to say. He's got a pocket full of trees and a garden. I oh, know, a pocket full of cheese? cheese and a garden full of trees. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's got 50 Bentleys in the West Indies. It doesn't matter. Hey, it's Wyclef Jean. If you ain't Wyclef caring, Jean. people ain't sharing. Now, something, <laughs> something. Oppa. Oppa. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this month's uh, selection that was offered up to us. Um, much to everyone's chagrin, it's not a pay-per-view from the 80s or 90s. Sorry, Phil Stopford. It's, you know, it's, but I, 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 you know what? I think now I've made a decision on this. It is a vocal minority. Yeah. Because, you know, we had hundreds of people vote in the, in you know, in this. And this was, like, pretty much a landslide victory. This was 44% for WWF's Invasion from 2001. As it should be. Yeah. Like, you look at all the pay-per-views in this month historically. This is one of the most important shows of all time. And, and the other closest one to that, were with 12% in second place was WCW Bash at the Beach 96, the other really iconic mm. pay-per-view from this month. Uh, in third place was um, Dominion from 2015, um, New Japan's Dominion. And really, when you look through the comments then, it's just a handful of people that are saying, you guys always do something that's post this, you do something that's post that, you do all these WWE pay-per-views. So really, but there's hundreds of people that are voting for us to do these ones. You know who it is, Luke? Who's that? It's those internet fans. Oh, the Marks. Yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 it's the vocal minority yep. who are, are against us there. We are, But we do very much value your opinion, <laughs> yeah, very much those so. people. We love hearing your opinion. Yes. It's just that I think we might just have to accept the fact that it's likely going to be a WWE pay-per-view and it's likely going to be from 2000 onwards. Mm. That's, that's 20 years. That's 20 years worth of pay-per-view there. Yeah. Yeah, We. I mean, and we've got like, it's a... But, it's it's a democracy here. Yeah, exactly. We can't, you know, we can't just rig an election. I, I certainly would never rig an election by saying, because some people have suggested, like, uh, you should make it a month where you can only suggest non-WW pay-per-views. But that's, that's rigging an election. That's not mm. giving the majority what they want. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it, yeah, that won the poll decisively so. Um, so it was uh, Invasion, which was suggested by hashtag Team LOL. So ah, thank yes. you very much for your suggestion. Landslide victory. Lol. Yes. Um, Only I'll, by them? Well, I, I think someone else might have already suggested it as well. Mm. I will say as well, I'm going to point out, uh, where was it? Who was it? I'm going to point out to Marcus Campbell. Uh, I believe his nickname that Randy gave him was Marcus He's Got Soul Campbell. Nice. To the it's a footballer. He's a football player. Um, for suggesting Taboo Tuesday 2004. <laughs> now, when I go through the selections, I always sort of like Google them and just so you know, so I can get details about the show and I can get some pictures and stuff and there are often times when I'm like I'm not sure about this one and then you know I'll, I'll check when it aired this one I just went by Marcus's word it happened in November oh and it was, Marcus. it was only until after the poll had gone live that someone had pointed out and I was like oh no I should have checked that that's on me 
I should have checked that. I did say in the post, don't mm. nominate anything outside of July, but it is on me. I should have checked that. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll have to die by that sword, unfortunately. Unfortunately so. Also, I wanted to um, uh, let you know, we also had Great America Bash 2005, which had this poster. Oh, baby. <laughs> Oppa. Tory Wilson. Oppa. Yeah, well, that is a picture of Tory Wilson um, just doing a salute yep. in a, a, cr a crop top. It's very mid Slash 2000s. boob tube. It's very Britney Spears. Yeah. Very Britney Spears. Yeah. Uh, that was suggested by Robert Spence, and it got 2% uh, of the vote. Hmm. I thought it might do better based on the poster alone. Given yeah. your predisposition, use that Is that word. the word? I guess it was predisposition. Predispos but how would you say that in the past tense? Predisposition. Predis predisposed, right? But that's we said that, and no, then we, we said, said that wasn't. No, we said disposed. Ah, predisposed. <laughs> it's something like that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah. we know what we're trying to say. Anyway, yeah. It's invasion two thousand one. Oliver Davis, where were you? July twenty second, oh, two thousand one. You know, I've got a sub story. Oh mate. You know, this was know, one of the I, the yeah, divids. It was the little Ollie have been saved. So I'll start from the from the beginning. Um, I was, this was such a big, important thing in my life, the Invasion storyline, because I, this was at the height of my fandom. That, like, my fandom began as a kid, because I didn't have an older brother, I discovered it by myself. That feels like a slight at you, but that wasn't. It was at everyone with an older brother who, who could pass these things down to yeah. me. <clears throat> and it was, yeah, so late 99. That Kurt Angle trajectory through the noughties and that fantastic creative year there. And then, like, this started to happen in 2001, and it just blew my little mind. Mm -hmm. I, I watched, I thought I was watching it live when Shane McMahon said he bought the thing on, on Nitro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking back at it, that's impossible. Oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed up that late. Nope. But I didn't know how TV worked. I just thought when I was watching something... It must have been live. It must have been live. <laughs> and uh, they, yeah, so, so I was so excited about this. And all my doodling time was spent doing the WCW logo mm. and the ECW logo beneath it. A verse is in the middle. And then the WWF logo on the other side. We were re like redecorating the downstairs toilet. And in my parents' way, they make a party out of everything. Mm -hmm. And there was this interim stage where all the tiles had been stripped off. So it was just that sort of brown paper yeah, you yeah. get behind yeah, yeah, tiles. Yeah. And they had a party, and you could just graffiti whatever you wanted on the walls, and it would be tiled over the next week. Yeah. And I did a huge, over multiple toilet trips, <laughs> a huge WCW, ECW versus WWF sign yeah. on it. Uh, and I was so into... WCW and ECW, despite being a WWF guy, and just all the twists and turns, which I thought were brilliant storytelling at the time, looking back, that's because I only really watched WWF. You were watching WWF's retelling of what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, oh, wow, Kurt Angle's the babyface, finally. I've loved him all this time. I've been saying he's the best. And now he's an actual good guy for once. This he, is what I've been waiting for. He's doing swears and everything. Yeah. And and Stone Cold is the the sort of he he was the so he, he was, was also he a baby was heel face. at the time but then turned babyface the week before 
this this pay per view. That was confusing. He had like the big baby face. I'm Team WWF, mm. and that's really what this whole pay per view kind of is built around: is the return of the old Stone Cold, the Stone Cold that you actually liked, but we took away from you <laughs> at WrestleMania, but we've given him back to you again. JKLOL. Wait till the end of the show. Yeah. So it was yeah, and I because I I never watched the pay per views at the time. I just got them in recap form mm. through uh through replays on smackdown on sky one at 11 a.m every saturday and yeah so yeah that 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 was in irl i had to wait until it came out on dvd mm-hmm. and silver vision yep. were the dvd providers in the uk great work great yep. work by silver vision and i the postage and packaging was too much for my uh, my paper round mm. money that I would get. So I saved up my paper round money. Here comes the sub story, folks. Oh, For four months. Oh. Because I knew Santa Claus or Father Christmas didn't have enough money in his funds mm. to buy that PlayStation 2 I wanted, which would give me DVD functionality along with the video games. To this day, the most expensive DVD player ever I yeah. owned. And I thought, well, I've saved up this much. I want, like, two games, the PlayStation 2, but all the big five WWE pay-per-views. So I had SummerSlam 2000. I pretty much had the and Invasion. Invasion yeah. was one of them. And I got it. Uh, unwrapped it all on Christmas Day. So happy. I worked so hard for it. And it was Christmas. And then we went, but we had to go that evening to my grandparents' house all the way in Canterbury. And we spent the day there. We came back to find a burgled house. Oh, mate. Where they'd taken everything but SummerSlam 2000, which I loved so much, I took to my grandparents to show them the DVD. They didn't have a DVD player. It was just the SummerSlam box. I just wanted to keep looking at it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So, but but then we did the insurance thing, uh, and I never got. Never got Invasion back. Mm. So I never, never, I've never actually watched it. Wow. I've seen, you know, I've seen many of the matches and yeah. know what happens. Bits and pieces of it, yeah. <clears throat> but this, I'm excited to, and as of this recording, I haven't watched any of it yet either. So this is, this is fresh eyes. Yeah, so we are, obviously, we, as most people know, we record this in various different chunks. You've literally just landed back, mm. you know, into the UK from your holiday. So you haven't had a chance to watch the pay-per-view yet. I've still got... I think 10 minutes of the show left uh, to watch. Um, and I was, so 2001, July 2001, I would have been uh, 15. Um, I was mad into my wrestling at this point. Mad, mad, mad into my wrestling. But I would say this is almost starting to be on the downturn. Mm. Because I really enjoyed, uh, WrestleMania X7 was great. But it was this was starting to be the sort of downturn of things. I would say that I was into it until Survivor Series and Vengeance the following month. Um, really, I start, I got killed off in two thousand two when it was when Hogan won the belt. That yeah. that was what really that was what killed me off. All my friends were starting to drop out of it as well. I was kind of like I was the lone guy like flying the flag for it. I'll never forget trying to get my friend Graham back into wrestling because he'd more or less fallen out. Once Austin turned heel, he was done. And I was trying to get him back. And I was like, no, mate, look, Chris Jericho's just won the, the title. And he was like, what, Chris, really? Mm. That guy, he's won the title. I'm like, yeah, but he won both of them. And uh, he watched it and he saw that Vince had interfered in both matches. He was like, that's rubbish. I don't want him champion. So that was it. And he never watched it again. Look at that guy now. 
Jericho, I mean, not Graham. I don't know where he is. It's uh, <laughs> but it's it's not just because we're of the same age, so it makes it sound like that was just a trajectory of adulthood. You know, we we were becoming that mid range of teenager mm-hmm. where other other things are more attractive than than just the wrestling, and you start to grow out of it. That that period of fandom, at least. But that was actually the trajectory for all wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because the, the fandom and the audience figures just dropped off a cliff after yeah, Invasion. Yeah, absolutely. Merchandise as well. Um, but it was... I watched this pay-per-view. I didn't watch it live. But it was one of the pay-per-views that aired for free on Channel 4. Um, as people who wrote... Because they essentially had... Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I knocked the microphone there. They had a number of pay-per-views that were free to air. Uh, well, they were given free to air. And it just so happened that this was one of them. It wasn't planned out in advance. This was meant to be a different show. Mm. But because WWF essentially crapped the bed and rewrote the whole storyline and rushed the whole thing together, this ended up being Invasion and it ended up being free on TV. So me, as like a 15-year-old, I was like, man, we get one of the big pay-per-views for free. And I wasn't watching weekly at the time because, as many people know, don't have, didn't have Sky, didn't have any access to it. Internet was, you know, still relatively new at the time. I'd been using it since, like, the late 90s. but I, And I was part of sort of, like, various things. But really, my internet usage was just finding um, wrestlers that had been drawn to look like South Park characters. That was really what my internet usage was. Still is. And still is to yeah. this day, in fairness. In fact, actually, on Twitter today, someone shared the poster of The Matrix, but it was with South Park characters. And they were in, like, 3D models. And everyone was like, do you remember when this was the coolest thing? <laughs> like, this was the coolest image you'd ever seen. I was like, I do remember. It was called The Fatrix. Yeah. I do remember this, because Eric Cartman's in the Neo role. Um, so I, I taped it and I watched it and I remember being so shocked by the end when when Austin turns heel again. But my main thing of this, and it's actually really funny watching this in hindsight, and why I thought this was a much bigger deal as someone who wasn't watching it week to week, the opening video package of this, which you'll see, makes this seem like it is the most epic, long-term storyline you've ever seen. And you're like, oh, my God, they've been doing this for months and months and months when actually, really, they were doing it for three weeks. Like There was a three-week period where they built this pay-per-view. That's insane. It feels like so much longer in my head. I, that, exactly, that's it. And when you watch the opening video package, it genuinely feels like this is a year's worth of story that we're telling here. When actually, no, it was just it was a, it was a handful of weeks because wow. Vince was changing minds from week to week. The show in Tacoma, Washington, the infamous roar in Tacoma, Washington, with Diamond, uh, no, Booker T versus Buff Bagwell for the WCW Championship. And that was it. That Tacoma crowd completely killed the WCW relaunch. Pritchard tells the story on his podcast that he was, you know, dealing with the guy who was booking all of the arenas for the WCW shows that were going to happen later on this year and all the TV tapings. And then as soon as he'd finalized everything, that raw happened. The following day, he had to call that guy and said, I've got to cancel all those bookings. And we've got to change these to these. and We've got to change this to that. And that was it. WCW was dead. It was not happening. We're doing this invasion storyline. We're going to run it through to Survivor Series, and that'll be the end of it. And like when Pritchard talks about this in the podcast, it is with, we didn't care. We honestly couldn't care at this point. We were just doing it, and we just did it, and then it ended. We couldn't care. But that sounds like the, the sentiment of a resigned man. Mm. Someone who wanted it to be good, but had been, it had been trampled in the ground by circumstance and Vince McMahon. And the XFL. I think the, oh, yeah. I think the XFL dying um, is really what killed the invasion angle. I don't think Vince had the passion 
for it because the project that he really wanted to succeed had failed. And and that was kind of it then, really. It was just like the XFL had died. He didn't really want to do this anymore. So that was it. It's a real shame. Real, real shame when you think about it. The biggest missed opportunity in wrestling history. And like when this all ended at Survivor Series with that five-on-five match, which is just, it's all WWF guys. Mm. Like in that match, it is literally, like the, the team WCW, the two lead guys in it are Austin and Angle. Like <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous. Um, the night after that, Ric Flair debuted. And then four months later, the NWO came in. And then a year after that, Scott Steiner came in. A year after that, Goldberg came in. You're like, you could have held off on this for so long. 15 years after that, Sting, Sting came, came in. in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then Seth Rollins took him out. Um, it really is the biggest missed opportunity. To this day, it is still the greatest, and it actually likely will be, now that they're not doing pay-per-views anymore, traditional pay-per-view, the biggest selling non-WrestleMania mm. ever. And it's, yeah. it was a hu- even with this very tired lineup that was sold on one match alone, still drew in a huge, huge buy rate. And you'd have just thought, if you'd have promoted it properly with all those guys, like if you'd have just said, we're going to buy out all those contracts and we're going to and do this, we would have made that money 10 times over with one show. Which they had the money to do. They got WCW, the brand name, the hu- like those contracts, which, you know, some were bad, but, you know, a lot of them were great. Uh, and the, the video library for $2 million. Yeah. Like that, which is pocket change. Surely the amount of money you had sort of set aside for that venture, you could have bought out just at least three top guys. Yeah, and brought them in. And then you sort of buffer those with your top ECW guys as well. Like, so Rob Van Dam could stand. Or, you know, like, why does WCW and ECW have to join forces in the first place? A great question. Why do they have to be subservient to McMahons? Oh, yeah. And like the ECW crew coming in, which, like, in its own thing is meant to be this big deal. And on the same show that they come in, they turn heel and align with themselves with, with WCW. And Stephanie comes out and announced herself as the new owner of ECW. It's in one show. It's not even in one show. It's in the last half hour of that one show. It's remarkable going back and watching that whole that episode. Because it's just like the last half hour is just the biggest car crash TV <laughs> you've ever seen. And it's just, it's kind of incredible, really. I don't know, that women's four-way this week. <laughs> I haven't even watched it. Watch it's it. just popular to crap on. Yeah, well, it did go 20 minutes. Mm. And it was a lot of Alexa <laughs> Bliss rest holes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's kind of our sort of overview of, of the show, of what we were doing at the time. But really, the big question is, what was number one at the box office? Ooh, 2001. Now, I heard you July. shoot on my research abilities uh, <laughs> or my enthusiasm for, for this. And then you said, you didn't think I was going to listen. But uh, you had very, very harsh comments about my... These are all things I've said to your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but privately. <laughs> the, uh, so so the, the fun is that you, you like this so much, which is admirable. It's part of your charm. Yeah. That you then want to tell me the... Oh, yeah. The, the, the number ones the in, in last month. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. What was know. the week after? Week I before. don't even know why we're doing UK and US. <laughs> Well, actually, I will say this month, it is the same film. Ah, interesting. In the UK and the US. Big, big... July 2001. Big franchise movie. Is it something to do with the aforementioned South Park poster? No, it is not. Oh. No. Good, Lord of good. the Rings were Christmas releases. It was indeed. Um, I'll give you a clue. It is recently seen a new Breath of Life 
as a franchise. The Lion King. No, it's not that one, no. And a new Spider-Man, Breath of Life. Have you seen the clips of Hakuna Matata? Oh, it's Spider-Man 2 then, I guess. No, it's not Spider-Man 2. Oh. No. Uh, no, I haven't seen the Hakuna Matata. So I think they, they released it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. It is literally just three animals walking in a row, singing the song. There's no like dynamic shots to it. It's literally just them walking in a row. You want to make it believable, Luke? Well, that's it. And that's the big criticism I've seen against uh, from those who've seen the movie. It's just like, but uh, an- like lines don't emote, and so the actors have to give really flat performances. Otherwise, it would jar against yeah. them. The face is not emoting. <laughs> That's a shame because they did it so well for Jungle Book. Yeah. I thought John Favreau was a safe pair of hands. I thought so too. In fact, I wrote a very, very praising article of the news when mm. everyone was crapping all over it when it was announced, you know, four years ago, wherever it was, for, for Flickr and Myth, being like, guys, why are we worried? It's John Favreau, who was a great with the Jungle Book. This is going to be a brilliant, brilliant mm. movie. You and I were doing the podcast, we were yeah. talking it up then as well. So that's a great voice cast, too. Great voice cast. Um, okay, but anyway, so yeah, but July the, the... 2001. Yeah, with a, it's a again a franchise that has recently had new lease of life. Fantastic Four, <laughs> X Men, Dark Phoenix. Really, well, I was going to say really reignited that franchise. It really, it re- literally was a phoenix yeah. rising oh, from yeah. the ashes. Yeah. Uh, oh, transform? No, not transform. That was too late. That was later. Oh, give me another clue. Because um, I feel like I'm close. The this film brought back the. One of the lead stars of the first movie, um, but no one else. Oh, no, that's a lie. Actually, two of the. Oh, uh, is it horror? No, no, it's. Uh, oh. I mean, you, could, you, you might call it a horror, but it's not. It's, you know, it's, it is a blockbuster movie. Alien. No. I don't know. Jurassic Park 3. Oh, god damn it! That was number one. <laughs> number one in the US and UK box office wow. in the week of 22nd July 2001. $50 million that it earned uh, over its weekend. Previous number one was Legally Blonde, just for, you know, mm. for fun facts for you, because I love that film. <laughs> uh, and it was number one in the UK with $4 million. Uh, moving over to songs oh, wait, now. Wait, Jurassic Park 3 is where the little tiny dinosaurs start the film. Yes. That's a terrifying scene. No, no, that's the second one. Ah, uh, okay. This is the one that's where the, a, the, the kids... It still stands. It still though. stands, yeah. That's a terrifying scene. But it has a really weird segue where the women... The, 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 the woman, the, the mother, like, runs to find her child, then see, sees the dinosaurs, and she screams, and it hard cuts to Jeff Goldblum, like, mouthing the scream while stood in front of, like, a Palm Beach area thing, and then he walks away to realise it was an advert on the New York subway or something along those lines. So it looks like the woman was screaming at Jeff Goldman <laughs> and he was also making the same scream as her. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> Such a weird cut. Um, Dress Park 3, famous for also featuring the first talking dinosaur when Alan Grant has a nightmare of a velociraptor in the plane and he goes, Alan. I don't remember a lot of this. The one with the, uh, the dinosaur's got the <laughs> mobile phone. He swallowed a mobile phone so you can hear it ringing. Uh, and that's, like how, that's how you Peter know Peter Pan. That's and the how crocodile. You, that's it. Yeah, that's how you know it's coming because Ellie Sadler's back in the U, uh, in the US trying to ring Alan Grant to see if he's okay, and they just hear the the phone ringing. Well, that's that's disappointing. It, it, you know, it's it is a film. Mm. It is a film that was made with an unfinished script, and you could tell as much <laughs> because it just ends. Jurassic Park three, or Jurassic World zero. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> Uh, moving over to music, I know both of these songs. This is in an era where I cared about ah, music. Cool. Uh, the first track is the big, big song of a big musical movie from this year. This was so a Chicago. Nope, that was later. Moulin Rouge. There it is. Uh, what's a big? Oh, 
Chichila Vikasaya Benoit. Ooh, not allowed to say Benoit. Benoit. So it's um, God. Why can't I? I can. I can give you all four. I was going to ask. Can you give me all four of them? Little Kim. Yep. Uh, Alia. Alia. Oh no! So close. Uh, So close. Well, the other one is Missy Elliott. No, it's not. Oh, she was on the track. I think she produced. Maybe it's featuring Missy Elliott. She introduces it. She's like. She does. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, Will Smith. You're missing the key one. Christina Aguilera. Can you get the fourth? You're so close as well. I fancied the pants off the fourth one. Why can't I? Who have I said so far? So you said Pink, Lil Kim, and Christina Aguilera. It's one one word, isn't it? It is one word. It's one word. She has. She doesn't really say. When they're doing like at the end where they're like, say your name. And you've got like Pink and like. Maybe I can get it doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Uh, 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 uh. Maya! There it is! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I was thinking to myself, it's coming up. He's going to get there. <laughs> yes, wow. with, with Maya. Uh, uh, if anyone's revising for their exams, <laughs> sometimes the best way to learn facts is to tie them to songs yep. and you just you listen to that. It'll jog your memory. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lady Marmalade uh, <laughs> by uh, Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim, Maya, and Pink. It was number one in the U.S. from May 26th to July, to, through to July 22nd. Wow. Big, big run. You've got to uh, split those royalties four ways, though. I suppose so, mm. yeah. Um, and in the U.K., it is an Irish singer uh, who was part of a boy Ronan band. Keating, yeah, we, roller coaster. That's exactly it. That is it. Life is a, Life roll- is a roller coaster. Just gotta ride it. And he's actually on a roller coaster in the mm. music video. Yeah, Ronan Keating, Life is a Roller Coaster. He went through some belting singles. Great voice as well, Ronan mm. Keating. Yeah. Yeah. Good front man. My uh, wife absolutely loves um, Picture of You. Uh, which was the theme song to the Mr. Bean movie, oddly enough. Yeah. I got a picture of yeah. you in my mind. That sounds Never like it's such a good it song. Would be so wrong. Sounds like it should be a cover. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the one where he's sitting on a bench? Is that. You say it yeah, best when you say nothing at all. This is kind of my default Christian rock voice as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You say it, but no, that's that's not it. Hey, it's a you say it best. What's Creed? When you say it's... nothing, and Creed's more when like I'm Creed and I love Jesus. I'm free. Yeah, I don't know. Like when we used to, we did our Chad Kroger voices for uh, mm. we sang heroes on Ramble yeah. Club. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> back to um, I smashed that month. You did. You did yeah. really well, but the exception Jurassic Park, you did very well. Shh. Um, music is your area of expertise, though, I think, sometimes when it comes to this bit. Mm. Um, but the observer feedback to this show, thumbs up, 53.6%. Marks. Thumbs down, 21.3%. And thumbs in the middle, 25.1%. So actually, overall, positive reviews coming out of the observer news readers at the time. But the expectations and what you could have done with it are so high. You know, like those 
You shouldn't be getting a 50% oh, no. success. On a WWF on versus show. WCW show, yeah. absolutely not. Best match uh, went to Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy. And the worst match to, no one's surprised, went to uh, Big Show, Billy Gunn, and Prince <laughs> Albert versus Sean Stasiak, Chris Canyon, and Hugh Morris. Ooh, that's an agile match. <laughs> a lot of guys oh. who can move all their limbs. Wait till you see it. Did you, so when I would play wrestling with my toys... I had some wrestling character, like some wrestling figures that had a lot of joints that you could maneuver a lot. Yeah. So other ones just had arm, you know, just the shoulder yeah. joints. That's that match. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Meltzer would say of the show, as a show, it was just that, a show. One great match, a good main event, a few average, slightly better than average, and a few bad matches underneath. More bad than good, but it was sold as a one-match show. The two most important things about the show were getting Kurt Angle over as a top babyface, which seemed to be accomplished, and the turn of Austin back heel after just six days. The in-ring stars of the invasion were Rob Van Dam, who won the hardcore title from Jeff Hardy in a show-stealing match, and Angle working as a babyface for the first time in a high-profile WWF main event, swearing on the on, swearing on the air to give him a babyface edge. It was also interesting the positioning of matches, as the Brower and Panties tag team match was put as, as the semi-final. Overall, for a show with so much hype, the undercard was a disappointment. Tiles were largely rendered useless, as were the match results. They actually had a good story of both teams wanting to win the uh, majority of matches, but there should have been something tangible on the line. If it wasn't for Van Damme and Hardy, it probably would probably would have been considered a bad show. Wow. Uh, Brian Alvarez would write, overall, aside from the total WCW-style Austin Swerve, the show was pretty good. The first half featured a bunch of unimpressive matches, but the show-long WWF versus WECW storyline was well done, and the wrestling really picked up in the last hour and a half. The future is worth entertainment as we know it. So first off, it opens with the old WWF sting, which I love. I, I, it is. It's a lot of like nostalgic pangs yeah. of memories, and it's really nice. If you also can't tell, different recording. Oh yeah, now because Ollie's seen the show, seen the whole thing, You've seen the whole thing, whole thing. I'm, I'm literally both of us actually, because you had ten minutes left to watch. We are both hot off the disappointment. <laughs> Of the ridiculous end of this show, I we'll, uh, get, we'll get on to that. I was attacked by a um, a, pa- a stang of hubris, I would say, because two Mondays ago, I pretty much had this whole show watched in one foul swoop, and I had ten minutes of it left. And I said to Pete, "I'm too ahead of schedule. I've got ten minutes left of this show. I'm not going to be able to record it for another two weeks. So I'm just going to hold off on this final ten minutes because I've got something else I need to do." I watched the final 10 minutes before we sat down to record this session right now. I've had two weeks to do it, and I've only just watched it. I finished the pay-per-view before you did, did. in the end. This is classic tortoise and the hare. <laughs> classic tortoise and Sean O'Hare, oh, one might say. We'll talk about Sean O'Hare in a bit. But yeah, we had that WWF sting, and then we got the intro package that you'd have heard at the top of this show, where it's comparing WWF to The Alliance... Uh, to an actual war. Yes. And you've got, who is the, the, the president? or So champ? that would be Franklin D. Roosevelt. Is he going, I have seen war and I hate war. Yeah, a, gra- a, gra- a great president, I think everyone would agree. Yep. Uh, and a, a great promo. 
Oh, great promo. Great great promo from him. Yes. Uh, I, d- I don't know about... Look, all of my thoughts of this pay-per-view are coloured by how spectacularly botched the whole thing is. Oh, which I think is fair enough. I think when you look back at this pay-per-view, you have to look at it with the <laughs> eyes of, this was an error. When we recorded the first part of this show before I'd watched it all in full, you know, I said, well, I've watched, I'm pretty sure I've watched all of it yeah. because I've watched this match and I've watched this match before. I There are so many forgettable, thrown together bits of nonsense on this event that that I've forgotten about just several hours after watching them. We actually had a bit of a game in the office for the people that were not watching this, like Simon, Laurie, Andy and Pete, where it's like, can you name matches that were on this card? Because there's a lot of matches on the card. Yes. And Simon did the best, but he got a lot of them mixed up. And he would say like, oh yeah, <laughs> Sean O'Hare was in a match with this person. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was in this one here. And then afterwards was like, hang on, Lance Storm and Mike Awesome had a tag match on the show. Yeah, when? right. So the only ones I can I, I vividly recall are, of, of course, the Rob Van Dam Jeff Hardy match. Of course. Of course, the 10-man main event. And the referee match. <laughs> I would add in uh, there, Raven versus Regal is the other match I would have remembered. And the bra and panties <laughs> match. <laughs> I mean, I watch that on a weekly basis anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, on a weekly basis. <laughs> and then we've got um, Stephanie's part of the promo where she's saying that no act of God can stop this invasion from happening. And we get clips of the awesome Austin babyface turn to lead WWF into this invasion. And we end off with Paul Heyman's incredible promo that he had on an episode of SmackDown where he started shouting in Latin how much he mm. hates Vince McMahon and how much he hates sports entertainment. And he sh- ends it with death to sports entertainment, death to the WWF. He's the best promo of the three. Oh my God. And yeah. he's not a leader. He's the guy that was running ECW and he's not a leader. Later on in the show, they say he's the general manager of ECW. What does that mean? They don't have a show to have a general manager for. I think. WWE and F obviously just had a collection of authority figure names. Commissioner, general manager, executive director. And they just pick the names out of the out of the hat. Yeah. They're just like Tombola. Ah, you need a a a title. Uh have this one. Yeah. But they all mean the same thing. And do you see what I mean as well about, uh, and what Brian Alvarez was saying, that the intro video for this makes this seem like this has been a story that's been going Mm. on for years. Well, Luke, it has, because, and really at the end of this this event, this is the story of the McMahon family and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I suppose, This is just a continuation of the Vince Austin feud. And that's that's kind of something I overlooked, because I look at the invasion, and it's so coloured by the idea of oh, it's all about the McMahons. It's all about Shane and Stephanie and Vince rather than what it should be, Vince versus Heyman and Bischoff. Or, come on, let's be honest, just Vince versus Bischoff. But it's actually the continuation of Vince versus Stone Cold. And looking at it from... If if you're Vince and you've stumbled upon the hottest feud your company's ever had, really, in terms of mainstream success, I guess you could make an argument for... Hulk Hogan stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one you are one half of. Yeah. You're not just this revolutionary businessman who transformed the wrestling industry. You are an on-screen performer going against 
the top wrestler in the world. Oh, yeah. So he's just... And that's worked. In fairness to him, that's what's carried the company. So he's just gone back to it. Yeah, and it's it's incredible to think that they have the right to be able to use all of the footage from WCW and ECW shows. Mm. And they never they never utilized it. In any of the builds of this WWF versus WCW ECW feud, they never use any of that footage. But I suppose if you use that footage, you'd expose the fact that you don't have any of these top WCW stars. Because none of the people that are on this, with the exception of Booker and DDP, were on top of this company. Like A lot of them were barely on TV. You know, maybe the tag champs. A lot of these guys are just no names. Yeah. No name nobodies. It's it's such such a shame. And th- th- this opening video package, as cool as it is, at the end, has an awesome picture, which is the the poster for the event. And it's that Vince one side, Shane the other side, with the V yep. crossing of invasion dividing them. And there's a little flash of Stephanie's face in there as well at one moment. I was like, that is a goddamn cool poster. And that is a very good storyline. But it's not the storyline for for right now. No, it's when not. you should be telling WWF versus WCW. I completely agree. Then with six you. months down the line, chuck ECW into the mix. Two years time, make it about the McMahons. Make it about Stone Cold Steve Austin's descent into paranoia or whatever fueled his heel turn here. Well, what fueled his heel turn at the end of the show was that Vince wouldn't hug him. Huh? That's why he turned heel is because he didn't get hugs from Vince, but he got hugs from Stephanie and Shane. When? What do you mean when? When, when were the hugs? I'm, I'm assuming this wasn't on this pay-per-view. No, it's not on this pay-per-view. That's what I mean. So like in the lead up to this show, Vince wasn't hugging Austin the way that he wanted to be hugged. So, but that's not the real reason, is it? That's well, like a think, superficial reason that, that covers... That's, that's what his promo is about the following night. Yeah, but it's like Jaws is about a shark, right? <laughs> like, it's it's not... Well, it, 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 it is. is. <laughs> it is. But the, the, the famous argument is that the book is about adultery yes. and affairs. Yeah. But it just mo- so happens to have a shark in it. Yeah. But the movie is quite definitely about, about a just a show. <laughs> and you are reaching, my friend, if you, you try and put the adultery stuff so in there. If you're listening, Mark Kermode, <laughs> we're calling you out. All right, we get it. You read a book. <laughs> Good on you. Oh, we get it. You've written several. All right, I get your, you get your All right, point. yeah, you, you're one of the most respected. I really respect you, Mark Kermode. I get it. Yeah. I love him. Um, I love him, too. Also, this uh, pay-per-view is sponsored by PlayStation. Oh, I love that old logo. It's great, isn't it? I have seen um, it's because it's gone through that period where that logo looked naff, mm. but now with the N sixty four logo and all that, it just looks really cool and vintage now. Because I imagine nineties fashion is on the cusp of coming back into vogue. Speaking of vintage, one of our commentators for this evening is Michael <laughs> Cole alongside Jr. It's a good segue. Thanks, man. mate. And that is our commentary team for the evening. Two-man booth. Oh. It's a two, well, yeah, I know, but there's no Alliance voice. Mm. You had Scott Hudson and Arn Anderson providing oh. commentary for the WCW matches before <laughs> like this whole thing fell apart and they made it into this invasion storyline in, in three weeks. Um, but yeah, they had Scott Hudson under, com- under contract. No Tanay or uh, Shivani, but they did have Scott Hudson. 
And they just decided, I, don't, I guess Vince just did not like Scott Hudson's voice. Didn't want Arn Anderson on commentary either. So our commentary team is JR and Cole. And I think this is actually one of my biggest issues I have with this pay-per-view mm. is there's no Alliance voice. So it is just pro WWF to the point where it makes me not like them. Yeah. Because there's no like counterbalance <laughs> to the commentary. It's just JR and Cole going like, I think we're the best. I think our company's got the best wrestling. And Cole goes, I agree with you, JR. The WWF is the best and we do have the best wrestling. We have the best sports entertainers. And JR going like, I think WCW sucks. It stinks. I think they're all dumb and stupid. And I'm like, well, actually, no, I'm supporting them now because no one's there to back them up. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you have just... That, that's a microcosm of a much larger WWE uh, problem where they only just say great <laughs> things and everyone just ends up hating them for it because they're not <laughs> humble. Perhaps, Did yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's that, I, I never actually thought about that, but that's a huge flaw with the, the show and just getting these allegiances over because surely, surely you'd want to, you'd want to present both sides as... No, like as heels and faces yeah so yeah you'd you'd have the wcw guys and you'd have their fan base following them and the wwf guys their fan base following them yes you that don't is, it's, it's not as clear as heels and faces which unfortunately what it does become is the wwf are the faces and the heels are the alliance which just means if there's any heels in wwf they just defect over to the alliance they just become alliance members and i'd yeah Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, really? Christian joins them. Angle joins <sighs> them. Regal joins them. All these people that were heels just just join the alliance. Yeah, it's uh, it's very problematic. And what's more frustrating about that is that up until the previous pay-per-view of this run, and from WrestleMania onwards, Heyman was doing commentary. Mm. So why isn't Heyman doing commentary on this show? Because he does afterwards. After this pay-per-view, he does go back to commentary again. What's up with Styles, Joey Styles here? I, 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 I don't think he was under contract. Yeah. I they didn't want to bring him in. But again, he would have been a different voice. Exactly. You'd have a Joey Styles and a... Well, it's, it's difficult. You don't want too many play-by-play guys, do you? Well, that's but, the other thing as well. Cole appears to be doing all the play-by-play and JR is colour. Mm. But yet JR then tries to do play-by-play as well. So you've got two play-by-play guys. Yeah, problematic. Uh, but JR... Says hi to the fans in WWF New York. Noted not WCW New York. Oh, yes. As Bob Holly will remind us later. <laughs> it looks packed there, though. Oh, mate. Yeah, it was but, the only you know, time Some it would SmackDown be tapings do look packed as well. <laughs> uh, we've got our first contest of the evening. It's oh, the one that housemate God. Simon forgot. It's Lance Storm and Mike Awesome versus Edge and Christian. Lance Storm and Mike Awesome, I'd argue, two of the few people on the Alliance side that were getting regular TV time. Like, Lance Storm was a United States champion that he turned into the Canada Championship um, later in his run and would start, like, changing all of the rules to be Canadian rules so hmm. that he could keep the title. An amazing run that he had with that belt. Funny enough, a lot of times with PCO. No way. Yeah, yeah, PCO wow. would be, like, not as an enforcer, but, like, he would be the, like, Canadian official that yeah. would come in for the matches. It's weird that, you know, you look at Lance Storm and the, the urge would be to think of them, think of him as a very serious, no frills wrestler. But actually, a lot of his runs had a lot of creativity around them. Oh, right? yeah. That idea is, is very, very creatively good. And another irritant for me, at the very least, Lance Storm's tag team partner from ECW hmm. is under contract. Just Incredible is right there. So why, don't, why aren't the Impact players having a match against Edge and Christian here? Uh, yeah. Rather than 
Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. Yeah. So, this is the other problem with this pay-per-view, in that the all, all of the card, all of the card, is based around WCW and ECW versus WWF. Correct. There is no actual personal beef really in there. It's all just two nebulous concepts of these companies clashing. Yes. So there's nothing to really sink your teeth into as a as a fan or even as a performer. No. There's no storyline elements to play off of. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, so so this bit here just feels like a thrown together match on a raw that would eventually become a pay-per-view match after a few twists and turns in the feud. That's why we were talking about this like off mic earlier, yeah. whereas this does feel like an episode of Raw, with the exception of the Hardy RVD match and the main event. Everything else in this just feels like it's a Raw show. And it is like, it woefully exposes the undercard because all of your quote-unquote top guys are in this 10-on-10 match. And it's, when we did Armageddon 2000, we had the same problem yeah. there, where you're like, oh, my, oh man, our undercard needs to fill the rest of this pay-per-view. Um, Billy Gunn, Big Show, and Prince Albert are going to have a six-man tag, I guess. That is the most <laughs> egregious example of all of this. Um, but anyway, this is the Battle of the Canadians, apart from Mike Awesome. And um, Storm cuts a promo where he uh, reveals the reasons for the alliance will win, but then East, uh, Edge and Christian come out. Christian is carrying Edge's King of the Ring trophy that he had won a couple of months prior to this. <laughs> they had an amazing segment on Raw where the 1999 winner of the King of the Ring, Billy Gunn, cut a promo on Edge and said, like, hey, I'm a former King of the Ring. I wasn't even a part of this year's tournament. I want to have a match with you. And Edge then came up with the phrase, I'm not going to Billy Gunn my run <laughs> as the King of the Ring. And then proved that by beating him very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. This is also the start of, like, essentially they were doing a storyline where Christian was turning heel because he was jealous of Edge. But it gets put on hold so they can do this alliance, well, this mm. WWF versus alliance storyline. But in about a month or so's time, they're going to pick it back up again when Christian jumps over to the alliance and these two just feud over the Intercontinental title. It's, yeah, it's... So speaking of Edge's promo that he did with Billy Gunn, that's what a lot of these match need, matches need, I feel. Like, like, when Lance Storm started with his promo, I thought, ah, oh, good. Edge and Christian are going to come down now. They're going to have a funny promo and then there's at least something for the crowd to sink their teeth into. Yeah. But no, it just goes straight into the match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they did put over <coughs> that Mike Awesome was the first WCW guy to invade the hallowed mm. halls of Madison Square Garden, where he won the hardcore title off of Rhino in a backstage segment to start off the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, no uh, other company's performers will be there until, well, this year. Yeah, 2019. New Japan and Ring of Honor. Uh, this match kicks off with Christian botching over the top rope, um, which is like a really, really ugly spill to the outside. And then the heels work over Christian for a while. Crowd are pretty into Edge, and they're looking forward to Edge being in yeah. the ring. And they they really they pop for Christian backdropping Mike Awesome off the top rope because they know that the hot tag is coming to Edge. And they get the hot tag, and Edge goes in and runs wild. And um, yeah, and then he, he spears awesome and he sacrifices himself to take a super kick from Lance Storm. Yeah, I, oh, I just love Mike Awesome. Yeah. Like, the way he wrestles, he's so big and tall and muscly. He's, just the, he's got the perfect look. His hair, his face, everything about him. 
And the stuff he can do at that at that time was so good. He's, he does a, a huge top rope frog splash. Oh, it's huge. He leaps up so high, he gets so much air, properly arms between his legs when he does the, the crunch in bit. It, it's great. There is, I would say, <clears throat> I mean, you can't say it's the biggest because there's Bret Hart, but I think nothing sums up WCW more, with the exception of Bret Hart, than Mike Awesome in that company. Oh, God. Where he had so much legit heat from wrestling fans after the way that he kind of, like, stabbed ECW in the back to jump over to WCW. And the first thing that they did was give him that 70s gimmick because of he had a mullet, and he was called the Fat Chick Thriller. And his gimmick was fat women like him. And that, and that is what WCW did with Mike Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got to the bit where Edge hit the spear on Awesome. Yeah. Lance and Christian spill out with a super kick. They, the, and then this goes into the last few minutes. I mean, these matches aren't long. Oh, no, they're, they're short. The, the average length really is, is five minutes for all of these undercard matches. Oh, if a match goes ten minutes, it feels like it's gone, yeah, way longer. Yeah, Hardy and RVD goes about 12. Yeah. And the main event's half an hour. Yeah. But uh, every, everything else is over in a flash yeah I'll, I'll actually get the timings up here this was oh actually this went 10 minutes yeah uh, awesome gets a near fall uh, on edge off the back of that super kick from Lance Storm but then the crowd pops huge for that kick out awesome goes for the awesome bomb but Christian spears him and edge pins him off the back of that the WWF draw first blood at invasion if you don't count the heaps match where Chava Guerrero beats Scott <laughs> Duhani technically they are at one apiece they don't bring that back up until the main event of the show really? where they're like oh yeah by the way Chavo actually did beat Scotty too hotty on heat, oh, so we what? are tied up now. <laughs> that is, that's almost as bad as Survivor Series last year, <laughs> where Raw won everything, at, apart from <laughs> the accidental <laughs> tag match on the pre-show. Yeah, um, yeah it, I, I, I actually thought the last couple of minutes with all the near falls and the big moves and the, and the kickouts, that that dated pretty well. And, and it's yeah. probably because of the caliber of the guys in this ring. Like Lance Storm, yeah. Edge and Christian, oh, fantastic yeah. wrestlers. And Mike Awesome I, is also a fantastic wrestler, but he's, he's very underrated. I, for yeah. obvious reasons. I, would, I completely agree with you. I would argue that, with the exception of Hardy and RVD, this is the best match mm. on the undercard. Definitely. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, Brian Alvarez would say, It didn't start <clears> out great as Christian almost killed himself on a botched dive to the outside. He managed to get to his feet about 30 seconds later to continue the match, but it was scary. Two and a half stars. Oh, yeah, that botched dive. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah when Storm went down like a lawn dart yeah. into the earth. Oof. Uh, Dave Meltzer would say match had its ups and downs some sloppiness early but built well and good near falls at the end two and a half stars here we go Pro Wrestling Torch <laughs> uh, would say crowd got totally into it solid tag match two and a half stars screw you Mick Foley <laughs> Mike not Mike Johnson what the hell's his name Wade Keller Wade could Keller. not remember what his name was for a second then um, Ryan Sam. <laughs> Brad Shepard. We cut backstage where Vince is celebrating and he says that Edge and Christian totally reek of awesomeness and like does their like five second pose and stuff. I love this. (laughs) This is because he's watching a giant monitor. It is huge. The big CRT monitors. Yeah. The old cathode ray (laughs) tube. Just enormous. Taking up half the corner (laughs) of the shop. And you know, like, because we have to, we do skits sometimes on the channel. Yeah. And I think we, we're all in agreement we can't act professionally. No. So what we do is we act badly as a defense mechanism. 
Yeah, let, let's say that. But that's what Vince is doing. <laughs> because he's just there like, he's, he's, so, he's so pantomiming the way he's just, he's just in a room by himself. Yeah. And a camera's filming him. It's obvious a camera's filming him. Yeah. And I, oh, I just love it. He's like, yeah, Edging Christian really do reek of awesomeness. It's like, what is going on here? I, lo- I loved it. I thought it was it very was so wacky. Good. And William Regal walks in and tells him that Austin has arrived. He's like, ah, 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 the old Stone Cold. <laughs> he is chewing the scenery. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, he is Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. And they start to talk about how Deborah was abducted. Feels again just like, remember when Deborah was the Rocks manager in their build to the WrestleMania what match? Is up with WWE just wanting to add in nonsense bits of storyline. This line. was on SmackDown two days before this pay-per-view. Did we need a, a Deborah got abducted storyline in this in this big feud? It's the cherry on top of this overbooked cake. You've got the Deborah abduction thing from DDP. That is on the, the you know, that's a cherry. Beneath that is the first tier of the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin co- confidence crisis. Beneath that, it's all the McMahon stuff. The real thing here, I know I keep saying it, is WWF <laughs> versus WCW. I know, I know. Um, they then talk about the best wrestler in the world, Raven, uh, who challenged William <laughs> Regal to a match. And Vince says the Regal should do what George Washington did to Britain. Yes, and that's, you know... It's a joke because Regal's like all sensitive. I think Americans think we care about that. Oh, yeah. The truth is, we're not even taught that in school. No, we're we're really not. (laughs) That's your thing. We've had a lot more interesting stuff. That might be because we lost. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, possibly because there's a lot of World War Two stuff we were. I was taught in school. Oh yeah, World War One and Two because we won both. Oh, we won that one. Oh, we won both of them, and they're taught very heavily in schools. Yeah. Uh, but like the, like the colonies are like how we lost all of those. That's never really yeah, skipped sort of over. Skipped over yeah. a lot. Uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I don't, uh, I never really think about it or like, oh, you got one over we, on we us. We nearly had you, I guess. It's like, it's like when you, you stumble upon something. Oh, we've got a rivalry. <laughs> I, I didn't even know you were angry with no, us. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Um, next up is... I mean, I said the tag match was the best match on the undercard, but this does have, like, you know, this does have its place. It's a referee's match. It's Nick Patrick versus Earl Hebner with Mick Foley as the special (laughs) guest referee. Hey, I'm telling you for this last time, keep your crappy shirts on your old side. Hey, we'll put our stuff anywhere we want. You won't put your stuff around here anywhere, pal. Who's going to stop us? We're going to stop The situation not just affecting the superstars and the stars at WCW, but... They were the officials, the referees, going at it in the locker room area. Nick Patrick can be extremely biased in these sort of situations. What is this all about? Well, I'd like to give a guy the benefit of the doubt, but this guy gives officiating a bad name. That looked like a quick count to me, JR. You're damn right it was a quick count. Shady officiating by Nick Patrick. How can you allow this to happen? What can I do? What can you do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can stand up for yourself, man. You can run over to Nick Patrick's dressing room now, you can kick the door in, and you can challenge Nick Patrick to a match at Invasion. Oh, you think you're a big tough guy? How about a match you and I at Invasion? Oh, I'd love to have a match with you at Invasion. How about a little preview right now? Hey, Nick Patrick, Patrick and Earl Hebner have a fight Sunday at Invasion. 
you said uh-huh. earlier in the show that there were no rivalries going into this That's show. That's a good but point. This, yeah. this is a very heated rivalry between uh, Earl Hebner, famed WWF referee Earl Hebner, and Nick Patrick, who, fun fact, that's not his real name. Patrick Nick is his real name. No, Nick, oh. his real name is Joe Hamilton Jr. Huh. And I only found that out via The Observer, because this was back in the day when Meltzer wouldn't just say <laughs> Raven. He would say Raven, brackets, Scott Levy. Uh, what, the, the Guardian always do that to uh, Tommy Robinson. Tommy <laughs> Robinson, real name Stephen Yaxley Leonard. <laughs> Uh, yes, this is the, the Battle of the Referees. Nick Patrick had been a screw referee for WCW. Wouldn't count the WWF guys in pinfalls. And the real like <laughs> WWF uh, referees were upset because they were on, like, in this promo, they're like, <laughs> keep your crappy shirts on your side of the changing rooms. Um, and yeah, it's just Patrick's been biased in all the matches. And he like pulled Hebner out of a ring and then Regal was just like, you bloody challenge him to a bloody match and you go out there and you have a bloody fight with him. And and Hebner does and that's why we now have this match. Yeah, because I don't think we said Regal is the commissioner. He's the commissioner at this point, yeah. And Paul Heyman's the general manager of ECW. Of ECW but not WCW. Yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Regal has had this sort of swell of company loyalty. So yes. even though he was a heel for the purposes of this invasion storyline, he is very much a baby face and he bleeds WWF. Yeah, same with Vince. Yeah, uh, but so, and Kurt Angle. Yes. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, but not Stone Cold. Because there was a period in time, like at the start of this story, I know we keep feeling like we're like recapping where this has been, but I feel like you almost have to because the, this sort of changed week to week. At the start of this invasion storyline, WCW were the baby faces. Hmm. They were the good guys. We were meant to be cheering them for invading. Because they were invading against heel Austin and heel McMahon and heel Regal and heel Ang- and heel Cat Angle, but then they were like, mm, actually no, we're the we're the best, so we've got to be the goodies now. So then they all flipped and started being the good guys instead. So I, I feel like we're not talking enough about the referees. <laughs> well, let's talk about them now. So I'm looking at the match times here. Mm-hmm. This was the shortest match on the whole card. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that works in its favour. Oh, yeah. Because in terms of... that, There are no spots that I didn't enjoy here. Oh, no, absolutely not. In terms of success rate, this is the best match on the show. I would say this match is better than it has any right to be. Yes. Because it's totally choreographed. They have rehearsed this. That Earl Hebner and Neil Patrick... Nick Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris. Harris. Yeah, damn it. Why was it? I knew it was coming from somewhere. Neil Patrick Harris, they have rehearsed this to a T. They know all the spots. Yeah. And, yeah, there's nowhere that can go wrong. And it's Short played and for sweet. comedy. It's played for comedy. You've got Mick Foley in there to kind of, like, direct traffic. And he gets a huge... Yeah, Mick Foley's the special guest referee in that, which they only announced at the end of Heat. Like, it's not like that was built for weeks. It's just Foley was called up at the last minute. <sighs> so can you come in for this show? So he's the special guest referee here. We'll be back out later tonight as well. But he gets a massive pop coming out. Oh, yeah. Like a hero's welcome, like return for, for Mick Foley. And I love this line from JR where he says that Foley has been in all three companies. He was in ECW. He was in WCW. But, quote, rose to worldwide status when he joined the <laughs> WWF. It's curious, because Mick Foley, is, he's, he seems to be a special guest referee all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, even quite recently. Hell in a Cell. With Hell in a Cell and Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns, I believe. Yeah, which was perfectly explained. Yeah. 
And he had a black and white striped shirt that he puts over his normal T-shirt. But on that black and white striped shirt, there are also the WCW, ECW, and WWF logos. Yes, because he's unbiased. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I guess. But he feels like a WWF guy. Yeah, in, yeah. in a match where the, all the referees are biased, but the rest of the show... The referees call it straight down the middle. Except in the final match where Charles Robinson tries to get involved. Yes, because he's like an outside referee, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, when when Neil Patrick... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> when Patrick and El Hebner both come out, they it, it says their names, you know, Nick Patrick, and then in brackets beneath with WCW referees. <laughs> and you just got like eight WCW referees well, behind well, him. Well, that's the thing. Is, and this... There's great heat for Patrick. He comes out and a good like and a great pop for Hebner. Hebner has got like this army of WWF yeah. like referees behind him, and Patrick's got four lads. Yeah, like, four. One of them I think is 15 years old. He looks. He's so tiny and he looks so young. Not like who are you? Whose child are you? And why are you wearing a ref shirt? <laughs> it's uh, it's Nick <laughs> from uh, Nick Cohn's son. Uh, the was that his name? Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah, that's it. Nick Patrick. I can't get anyone's <laughs> names right. Uh, but Earl Hebner's entrance music is like this thrash metal. <laughs> Nothing could look further from Earl Hebner than this entrance music. Yeah. Although he was probably trying to like find stuff that he could sell. He probably sent that CD outside. They, um, sh- <laughs> <laughs> they should have just come out to Raw's music. Yeah. And the WCW guys should have come out to WCW music. Yeah, but that, oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, so Patrick starts this off by slapping Hebner, and that, that fires Earl up. And the referee, uh, Foley has to step outside to stop all of the other referees fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hebner does the, the 10 punch spot yep, in the, the crowd corner. can chant along. Yeah, low blow by Nick right in front of the referee. Come on, Mick. Yeah, so that, that low blow. Earl Hebner sort of rolls out of the ring to the outside, and that's the WCW referee's cue to swarm him yeah. and not kick him. <laughs> what they instead do is kick a spot about a, a foot above Earl yeah, Hebner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those kicks were awful. They were not connecting. I love it. I'm sorry, it. Mr. Hebner. I don't want to uh, kick you, sir. I respect you so much. Uh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. The crowd are also in that they same are mindset. Ballistic. So this got a much bigger reaction than the opening tag match, which oh, was yeah. a much better match. Well, this has a storyline. Yeah, it's got a storyline, and it's quite obviously to have fun. Yeah, it's this a is sports entertainment. It, oh, and I was sports entertained. Totally. However, if I was a W a diehard WCW fan at this point in the show. And I watch the WCW referees be ejected from ringside. Yeah. And they're all such heels. I'm like, I'm just going to turn this off now. Yeah. Oh, it looks like we're not being fairly represented on yeah. this show then. I, I this Yeah. And I, I feel like, as fun as this match is, wrestling as a whole genre lost 10% of its fans <laughs> in this exact spot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right. Um, Patrick argues with Foley after his buddies get sent to the back, and then Hebner tackles him, and, and he wins. It wasn't pretty. That um, tackle. 
Oh, because I, I watched it back. I was like, was it a spear? No, <laughs> no. he just ran into him. Oh, yeah, totally. He ran into him with a slight shoulder slant, but and they both fell over. Patrick sold it great, though. <laughs> like, arms flailing in the air, like, kicked his legs up and everything. He'll be a good baby face one day. He did indeed, yeah. And then afterwards, Patrick argues with Foley, uh, saying it was a fast camp, so Foley punches him. And again, Patrick, with the hell of the oversell, just, like, launches himself in the air, <laughs> arms flailing around, like, a as he's being punched. And then he gets uh, Mr. Sarko. And the crowd cheer because WCW's rubbish. Two things. I think the Sarko should have been also referee striped. Yeah. That's a missed detail. Also, when Hebner wins, Michael Cole just goes ballistic. He's like, <laughs> oh, Hebner! Oh, Hebner! Like, it's this big epic moment, which makes the, it makes it funnier. Oh, yeah. You can definitely tell that Vince told him to say yeah. that as well. Make fun of JR, you son of a bitch. Yeah, but, but JR is, like, silent <laughs> for a while. And you can, just, you can just feel him thinking, F this S. <laughs> just, just F this, this S. S. Brian Alfred say the crowd was into this to a shocking degree. <laughs> it's not shocking. <laughs> This is funny, and it only went two and a, two and a half minutes. Aside from Perfect. The, yeah, aside from the punches, which were hideous, <laughs> this was damn acceptable. Earl won with the worst spear ever. This <laughs> was not good, but it was a hundred million billion times better than it had any right to be. One and a half stars. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that rating, yep. but I enjoyed the heckins out of it. Dave Meltzer would say, Hebner won with a spear. Patrick wrestled for a few years in the 80s and was pretty entertaining. Hebner, who is older and has had some serious health problems, was really blown up. Short enough that it wasn't bad, but in hindsight, there was no reason for it. No star rating from Mr. <clears throat> Meltzer. That's, in- that's interesting that Patrick had the wrestling experience, because yeah. he was... The much better, oh yeah, of the, the two, physicality-wise of the two, yeah. And um, Wade would say Wade Keller with Pro Wrestling Torch, okay for a short gimmick match, no rating. Huh? Yeah. Even Foley was a part of it. Even though Foley was a part of it, um, they then advertised Tough Enough on MTV, uh, WWF's Tough Enough, which again is one of these things that when you're 15 years old, you're like. I mean, this Invasion storyline doesn't feel real because we've still got all these WWF shows that are airing mm. elsewhere and they don't feel like they're bothered <laughs> about this whole Invasion thing. And um, Maven yes. had to uh, dress up like a girl for the episode that they were prim- uh, promoting and said that his mother is going to be real proud of him. Yeah, uh, sort of, he had to dance in a club for a challenge. This is the sort of thing that did genuinely pass as very fun entertainment two decades ago. Yeah, this was, this was MTV. This was the downfall of MTV. This is when they stopped being a music channel. Hmm. Well, actually, maybe like a couple of years beforehand, they stopped being a music channel. Yeah, but you say that. They, they had Celebrity Deathmatch. They yeah, yeah, had, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I mean. There was, there was a period of time where it was like they were half and half. They were yeah. still a music channel, but then they became like reality TV shows. Then reality TV shows started making all the money in the world. So MTV were like, huh, why are we wasting money with yeah. music? Let's just make a load of these crap, very, very cheap to make reality TV shows because people love these sorts of things and we can make a lot of money off of them. I don't think anyone loves them. I just think they're watchable. Yeah, but they were like huge. Mm. Like Paris Hilton became a celebrity. Yeah, The Simple Life. Is that what it was called? Yeah, she was The Simple Life. And yeah, there was just like, they were everywhere. It was like every, every week there was a brand new reality TV show that was starting trying to make the next big thing. Um, tough, uh, did you ever watch Tough Enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, well, I wouldn't have watched... 
I was very familiar with Maven. Maybe they must have done recaps on SmackDown. I think they did. Because I wouldn't have had the outlet to actually watch it then. Mm. Yeah. I have MTV. I had MTV, but I don't know if it showed the I same stuff did, or it was on too late for me. I, I remember, so the girl I was dating at the time had Sky. Mm. And I remember being around her house one time and just sort of flicking through the channels because her and her parents were off like doing something else and they were like sorting out dinner. And I was like, oh my God, Tough Enough is on. And the only thing I remember about it is that Taz was a part of it. I can't tell you anything about the episode. I just remember Taz was there. And I got to watch about five minutes of it before I had to go off and do something else. Mm. Um, I've never watched anything since then. Are you okay? I don't think I'm okay. I mean, considering last Thursday night, Diamond Dallas Page locks me in the trunk of that car, drives me around the arena, and then just leaves me, leaves me on the corner. I, well, I guess I'm okay if you think about it. You know, nobody knows Paige better than I do. And you want to know something? Not only is he a pervert, he's psycho, too. I just know one thing. I can't wait for Steve to tear him from limb to limb tonight. I can't wait. I'd like to do that myself. But after Mark gets through with him tonight, there's going to be nothing left of Diamond Dallas Paige. I hope you are so right. Invasion is sold out in Cleveland with Cole and JR plugging the inaugural brawl that will end uh, the show. And they recap the angle from SmackDown where DDP kidnapped Deborah, And it led to a giant brawl in a parking lot. And Austin stole a limo to chase down DDP. And Austin will be so mad at DDP later in this show that it's never brought up again. Yes. Yeah. This is definitely something that could have been cut from the overall story. Uh, also, inaugural brawl. Yeah. It's not a fun thing to say. Nope. It's... What does it mean? It, well, I guess literally it means this is the first fight. But it's not, though, <laughs> is it? Because they've had lots That's... of fights beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I... I read... Inaugural Brawl... There's a, there's a really funny joke in 30 Rock where someone... What, one of the actors makes a film called Rural Jorah. <laughs> Rural Jorah. Yeah. That's the name of the film. And... Everyone's like rural Jura. Just it's the joke is it's very hard to say. Yeah, and inaugural brawl just sounds like a similar in the similar vein. Yeah, I would say so. It's the most Vince thing. It's gonna be the inaugural brawl. It just yeah, it just doesn't. What did he think this would be a yearly event? Well, that, it makes well, it sound like it's gonna be a yearly event. The brawl, brawl yeah. two. I don't know. <laughs> the second brawl. Yeah, it, it's the most Vince thing of just like, we need a name. We can't just have a 10 on 10 match. It needs to have a name. And it's going to be the inaugural brawl, pal. I love it. The, Everyone call it that from now on. This show should have been based around singles matches and big, you know, proper singles matches. And then you do the five on five at Survivor Series and you build to all your huge first time ever dream WCW versus WWF singles matches at WrestleMania. Or you could have done this as you could have had singles matches with the winners going into the 10 man brawl at the end or uh, like the big sort of WWF versus WCW match at the end. That's not bad, yeah. So then you ha and then you can essentially fudge it so you have like a, yeah. a certain number on each side so the heels are then at a big advantage over the baby faces the WWF and that way you kind of then make sense of what this brawl at the end is or this big WWF versus ECW WCW match is yeah and actually then the pay-per-view would have some stakes that, that's because a great idea Meltzer's point earlier in this uh, when we were talking about this in the broadcast that this show has no stakes is 
remarkable given the nature of this show. But there aren't, tomorrow night, it's just going to be WWF Raw again. The Michael Cole has a line in the first tag match, actually, where he says, this is about power, bragging rights. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and I was like, and it sounded like he was going to say something else, like the rule of threes. Yeah. But he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to mention, because this is the first graphic well, I think we see of the five-on-five match, inaugural brawl. The inaugural brawl. Inaugural brawl. Uh, the V is in the background. And it just struck me there. I was like, oh, why is there a V there? Of course, it's on the poster as well. It's the V in Invasion. Mm. But it also, because it's having inaugural and this V, which is also the Roman numeral for the number five, (laughs) just, it jarred with me. So I noticed the V and I thought, this is some subliminal messaging right here. V for victory and V for Vince. Oh. This, what do you think? I don't know. I just It's a weird part of the word invasion. Well, I thought it was... I guess it's a versus That's what thing. I thought. I thought it was a versus thing. Yeah. Also, the stage is a big V as well, like the, the, the ramps, because there's a WCW-ECW locker room and a WWF locker room, and they come out of different sides. So, And that's, then that's the V sort of makes up the big stage at the top. And fun fact for you about that, they were still building it during heat. Oh, really? Because they'd never built a stage like it. Yeah. So during heat, they were still putting things together. Chavo came out of the WWF side because the WCW-ECW <laughs> tunnel was not ready. Uh, we then get a recap of uh, moments ago. Deborah, moments ago. Deborah and Sarah are hanging out having coffee. Should we do, I think we should explain who Sarah is, if we haven't already. Yeah, so she was the Undertaker's wife at the time. Mm. And he had, her, he had her name tattooed on his neck, quite famously. And, um, you know, my best man at my wedding had his ex-girlfriend's name tattooed on his back that he had to get covered up before he got uh, his wedding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Undertaker got his uh, surgically removed uh, after he and Sarah got divorced. And he clearly liked Sarah a lot because... They put her on TV, and she is, she's not an actor, bless her. No. No, she's not an actor. Neither is Deborah, in all fairness. Hey, I think, look, Vince is also not an actor. <laughs> Very few wrestlers are actual actors in turn, but... It's a different kind of acting, isn't it? Sometimes you just have to be very loud and charismatic. And I, th- I, w- I was watching Deborah fret about being captured. Or how Was it explained how she got away? Because the last thing in the recap package, DDP is driving off with her I think, in his trunk. I think they just found... I think they do say they found the truck. I, oh, that's not enough, is it? <laughs> for, for, uh, for something that big. Anyway, so she's like, oh, I was captured. Oh, that was a bad thing. But at least she's been, you know, she's she's shouting. And, and there's something, there's some vague level of something representing charisma there. I would much rather have Deborah's style than what we get in so many Raw and SmackDown segments these days, where it's just three ladies blandly talking. Oh, yeah. Although they are better than Sarah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're better than Sarah. Um, yeah, she is a terrible, terrible actor. And she was, she pinned DDP in the lead up to this pay-per-view, by Christ the way. Christ alive. Um, and she calls The Undertaker Mark. 
exposing the business there, mate. Come on. Outrageous. Out bloody rageous. I mean, surely that's planned because this wasn't filmed live. This is <laughs> moments ago. Yeah, this was... It's it's not good. Mm. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, she, she says, well, I know DDP is a pervert. They were just all out burying DDP. Yeah. DDP, who could have sat out his contract. He could have sat out his WCW contract and just made a load of money from AOL and Time Warner for sitting at home. You know, like Nash and Hogan mm. and Scott Hall and Goldberg and Steiner and everyone else did. They just sat there and just collected their paychecks month after month until their contracts ran out. But DDP was dedicated enough to the wrestling industry that he took a much worse offer from WWF to go join them and do the invasion. And this was his reward for doing so, was being booked to be the pervert who's obsessed with Sarah, despite the fact we know he's married to Kimberly, because that's known knowledge. And it's it, known knowledge. It's known knowledge, and he's just this pervert who gets beaten and beaten uh. and beaten and beaten and never, ever wins. So I'm sure he thought it was a good idea at the time. It's a real shame. It's DDP is, you know, not just a fantastic, well, he's a very good wrestler. And, you know, he's sort of, he was the guy who trailblazed planning out all of the matches. Before then, people were a lot more calling on the fly. And he's a, he, that's why he got heat backstage, mm. reportedly. The reason he got heat is because he had matches booked and he would then go up to the people and say, hey, I've, I've planned out the match. Do you want to go through it? And they were like, what do you mean you planned it out? And that's how he got heat. Screw you for caring. Despite the fact Randy Savage did it all I the know. time and he is considered a legend within WWF and he's treated with the utmost respect but when DDP does it yeah the, the amount that WWF even back then fetishized the Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage match which was completely <laughs> planned out to the last move yeah uh, I yeah it's it's baffling um that Mark is it Mark Middleton I he, he's, he's very he, he was a WCW guy. He used to have a column on WrestleZone. Mm. It was it was always quite entertaining. Uh, but he always called DDP DD me, and yeah. I th I think it's like it's that oh you oh you want to plan everything out to make you over right? And it's like no, he's just trying to make a better product. Yeah, it was um it was also like a, the heel commentators would call him DD me as well mm. because he was like he was always only the, the the heels used to say he's only looking out for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real shame. And the other thing as well, while WCW guys got heat backstage, is that when they arrived, the first thing that they were given were WCW t-shirts, and they were told they had to wear them backstage so that everyone knew who was a WCW guy when they joined <laughs> the company. Which, as they then said in like interviews afterwards, just like just made us targets because it just made us uh, uh, targets to be not respected. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, coming up next, we got their tag team champions, the why? WCW tag team champions of Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare versus the APA. It's champs v. champs. This is the WWF. We all helped build this house. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they want a piece of the pie? I say hell no. Oh. At least freeload one of these had the audacity to invade us. WCW wants to walk into our house. They tell them just to come on. We're asking you to show why you're on this roster. We're asking you to stand up for what you have built. There's going to be a fight. I know there's going to be a fight because we're going to start it. Let's shadow match, boys. Palumbo and O'Hare, the WCW Tag Team Champions, beating the hell out of Matt Hardy. Look at this. The troops have arrived. Palumbo and 
escaping through the crowd. Looking behind the APA, WWF beating the hell out of the WCW Tag Team Champions. The APA warned WCW, stay out of our house. The APA and friends have laid out the WCW Tag Team Champions. The WWF has struck in this battle for sports entertainment supremacy. WCW, it's real simple. Yum yum, come get you some. We ask you, just be mad about it. Quit sneaking up from behind. What the hell is this? Somebody just jumped through and Brad on the APA. Chuck Palumbo with Sean O'Hare. The WCW Tag Team Champions ambushing the APA. Palumbo and O'Hare are the WCW Champions. Big and powerful, but they're not going to intimidate or they're not going to run roughshod over the APA. This Sunday on pay-per-view, it will be the WCW Tag Champions, Palumbo and O'Hare, taking on the APA. That's the WWF Tag Team Champions. Champions versus champions, not about gold. It'll be about pride and ego. Champions versus champions, and they'll settle it this Sunday at Invasion, Invasion, Invasion. And I'll be honest, this does not feel like the best of WW, WCW versus the best of the WWF either. No, no. And even like Cole and JR make reference to that a lot as well. Oh, don't they just? But they just keep calling O'Hare and Palumbo. Uh, you, like, they, they, so they won the belts from, I believe it was DDP Kevin Nash. And, and Kevin Nash. Yeah, yeah DDP uh, and Kevin Nash. Earlier in the year. And you're like, oh man, you've just said Nash's name. Now imagine if this was... Nash and Hall. Well, that's what I mean. It's like when you think of the great WCW tag teams, you think that, you think the Steiners. You do not think Palumbo and O'Hare. Similarly, when you think of the great tag teams of the WWF oh, in this yeah. period, you are not thinking the APA. You're thinking the Hardys. You're thinking Edge and Christian. You're thinking the Dudleys. And yeah, but unfortunately, our tag champs this time are the APA. It's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a match that, although is the first... It's champion versus champion, which is always a weird... Like, I still oddly get excited for champion versus champion matches, even though, really, they mean nothing. No. Because there's nothing on the line again, apart from the bragging rights that really nobody cares about. And But an another thing that is massively overdone that I actually care about as well is they do another flashback of that big brawl. The whole feud is just based around nebulous amounts of people hitting each other. Yeah. I'm like, well, where are the people who are actually having the match in this mass of 20 people brawling outside? Yeah. And these two did have some segments, as, we, as was covered in the video package, where um, APA put them through some tables and they cut promos on them at WWF New York, where Palumbo and O'Hare attacked them. Um, and But JR, in this video package, says, Palumbo and O'Hare are good, but they're not going to intimidate the APA. It's like, what well, way to put them over there, JR. It's like, I mean, yeah. they're, they're good, but they're a bit rubbish when compared to the APA. And, and Cole has another line where he's like, O'Hare and Palumbo want to be put on the map in the sports entertainment industry. And I'm like, so you just said they're not even worth noting. They're just these yeah. young guys. It's these young guys. And Bradshaw has a line in this promo where he goes, yum, yum, come get you some. Future WWE champion, JBL. Hey, hey. I love Bradshaw. <laughs> Look, uh, he, he is a very questionable human being, but I love his in-ring work. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a great promo as well. Um, uh, and yeah. in this, like, there's a moment when he catches Sean O'Hare. Sean O'Hare does a crossbody, and Bradshaw just grabs him and, yeah. and keeps him there. And, you know, like, anyone, not anyone can do that, but... 
that's that's a normal spot that isn't that hard to do. But just the way Bradshaw composes himself, he takes this pause and he just looks around like, yeah, have you guys. Yeah. And the crowd go crazy for it. I, I'm a big, as I said, I'm a big fan of Bradshaw. I just wanted to bury that line because I thought it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but it I is do, a bad line. It's a bad line. But I do think he is very good. But really, this match is just... Palumbo and O'Hare sometimes get some offense in, but the APA just shut them down and beat them up and then win. Yeah. This is Bonham. This is Bonatown for Bradshaw because he just gets to <laughs> kick around a younger guy in the ring, and he is having a whale of a time. It's it's not just that structure of match that makes it not engaging at all. It's that all the moves are punches and kicks. <laughs> yeah. There are very few actual wrestling moves yeah. in this. Compare that to the opening tag, where it was actually a you know pretty good wrestling match. This is this dates horribly. Oh yeah. Uh, it dates very poorly. And what is the match time for this? This is seven minutes. It feels that actually feels much longer. Yeah. That that sounds much longer than it feels because this is just yeah they just beat them down and then win. Um, Palumbo did hit did hit a super kick on Bradshaw but got hit with a clothesline from Hell and, and APA picked up the win. Um, I didn't think it, I didn't think much of it really. And I, to be honest, neither did the dirt sheets. Brian Alfred would say match was sloppy in spots but not a disaster. Crowd just didn't care. Palumbo and O'Hare looked like they were either way too excited or very nervous. Or or both. I could hear the acolytes telling them to calm down. Mm. Forgettable star and a half uh, from Brian Alvarez. Brian, um, Dave Meltzer would say, Palumbo and O'Hare were aggressive but didn't get much heat. For what in another era would have been such an important deal, this was really nothing. A star from Dave Meltzer. And uh, Wade Keller would say, solid match. Although O'Hare and Palumbo didn't get any chance to show signature moves, two stars. What? <laughs> How's the ref match? Not better than all of those? I, this one? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, so for the story of the night, taking away the Heat pre-match, this is the third WCW loss oh, yeah. in a row. And if you didn't rage quit in the ref match as a WCW fan, like, what, why would you bother sticking around for this? Oh, 100%, because they just completely buried their tag team champions and made them look like absolute chumps. They, they want an invasion? Oh, yeah. And they get what they deserve in annihilation. Which, of course, brings us to the main event. Brings us to your participation tonight in the inaugural brawl, Chris. Yeah. Vince, that's what I want to talk to you about. One thing that hasn't been even pointed out is I've worked for both competitive companies. I've been in WCW and I've been in ECW. And a little bit of the difference is in WCW, they never had a leader. They never had a head, a figurehead. The inmates ran the asylum, anyone did what they wanted. But ECW has always had, and still does in a lot of ways, have a very psychotic and lunatic leader in Paul E. Heyman. You know what the E stands for? It stands for, ew, gross! I mean, just look at this guy, the bovine, chunky, chubby, Portly, paunchy, plump, rotund, stout jelly belly. I mean, man, look at his hair. It's, he looks like a mutant with all that hair falling off. He looks like a big white Shrek. But as ugly as he is physically, that's how ugly he is mentally. And as a result, he's passed that on to Stephanie and Shane and to all of their cast of characters. All the guys in WCW and ECW, they're going to be coming on strong. But... As you know, so is Team WWF. And tonight, after all that's happened, we're not going to get mad. We're going to get, get, get even. In other words, what you're saying is that after tonight is over, Team WCW ECW will never 
be the same again. I hate Chris Jericho. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him! Please calm down. Okay, we're not doing so hot right now, and we need to change the tide. You can do this. You need to take X-Pac out, Billy. That's what you need to do. Okay, you're the cruiserweight champion. X-Pac is fast, okay, and he's gonna hit you hard. You need to outsmart him, you need to get the job done. Hey, look, it's all under control. Under control? Under control? We are losing! We're losing everything! We're losing momentum, and it's all up to you, Billy. You have to pull this one out. We're at the point of no return, Billy. You have to win this match. It's all up to you! Relax, Paul, relax. I am the WCW Cruiserweight Champion. I'm gonna show all of you why they say X-Pac sucks. So after that, we get Vince McMahon and Chris Jericho in Vince's office, and Jericho points out how he has also worked for ECW, WCW, and WWF, just like Mick Foley earlier. But so, so he's got some sort of insight on the enemy sides. WCW never had a leader. Never had a leader. Never had ne any nope. big authority figure nope. that sort never. of took the charge. Never. Nope. Gave him a direction. Nope. But ECW had Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah. So that's an obvious slight to Eric Bischoff there. And he says that the E in Paul E. Heyman stands for Ew, gross. Yeah, classic noughties era Jericho promo. I think as well that like, Jericho saying that WCW didn't have a leader, is that was also his opinion of the company when he worked there, was that mm -hmm. no one was actually leading the charge. It was just, it was the inmates ran the asylum. Um, for those of you who are wondering when I was going to get around to burying Eric Bischoff on a podcast, <laughs> there you go. Well, um, yeah, that, and that's been the sentiment of a lot of people who work there. But apart from Eric Bischoff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just for just for the purposes of I'm a fan, I don't know the, all the backstage yeah. stuff. It's fair, like Eric Bischoff is the leader of that company. Yeah, yeah. Like Vince is the leader of WWF. Yeah, and he starts having a go at Heyman again, says that he's a monster, calls him Shrek, but says that he also has an ugly mentality and, uh, and fears that a true leader is... Uh, he fears... You know, he kind of infers in this that the true leader of ECW is Paul Heyman, who it should have been in the first place as opposed to Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Because he's not sitting there going, like, Shane's terrible, Stephanie's terrible. He's like, no, no, Heyman's the one you want to worry about. It's like, why? He's only the general manager. Yeah, he's be, not leading any charges. That'd be a much better storyline. Because, <laughs> you know, Heyman's suited for it so perfectly. It's just yeah, nepotism. He actually ran ECW. And he's such a good performer. And he can get over that psychotic, unhinged character so well. Yeah. Uh, that I must I must give props to Vince here for having amazing facial reactions. Yes. Just he is even when he's not speaking, he is doing everything to chew the scenery. <laughs> uh, and and that as soon as Jericho's finished talking, Vince says, So you're saying team ECW and WCW will never ever be the same, same again. again. Nice stuff. And then we cut to Stephanie and Shane who were watching that promo in their yes, locker room. <laughs> right, yes. So, so, this, I, that, yeah, I don't know what's happening here. No. It cuts to them <laughs> watching a, a monitor. So, I guess in WWE's misunderstanding of how spatial temporal relationship works, temporal, temporal? You said, you said te tempora. Tempora, prawn. <laughs> prawn tempora works. They. Th they are also watching the match that's just happened. Like these, like that Vince Jericho thing and this 
Shane and Steph thing are actually happening at the same time. But they're not. They're both reacting. They're not because Steph's talking about <coughs> Jericho's promo because like. Oh yeah, I, she said I hate yeah, Jericho. I yeah. hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And like that's, that's so they were watching Vince and Jericho talking about them. Which makes me think, did Vince and Jericho, when they finished their interaction, turn to the monitor to watch Stephanie and Shane and uh, Heyman's reaction to them previously? What is, what is more pressing is what is on the screen when Stephanie and Shane are talking. <laughs> them. It's them. Yeah. It's just an infinite bit, regress. Bit of a delay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, yeah. It's, yeah. And it, then, it's wrestling. It, it's a minor... Thing, exactly, but it's yeah. ridiculous. And she just talked about how she hates Jericho. She hates <coughs> him. She hates him. <laughs> and then she has a go at Billy Kidman saying that he needs to go out there and beat Sean Waltman. And Kidman's like, hey, guys, it's fine. And then, uh, sorry, Kidman says it's fine. And then Heyman says, fine, we are losing. <laughs> yeah, immediately being the best promo <laughs> in the room. This delivery of that line was out because he's pacing back and forth, like while Stephanie's mm. t- talking about Jericho. And he just has this, he's just like, we are losing to, to poor old Billy Kidman. But Shane and Stephanie are pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. But Vince, Heyman, Bischoff, uh, next level performers when it comes they to this stuff. They crushed it. And Heyman did crush it. Vince did crush it. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's a shame that Shane and Steph are a part of this. And they wouldn't actually do the Vince, Bischoff and Heyman together in the ring at the same time until about 2006 mm. I think they'd eventually get around to doing it which is ridiculous when you put that down on paper yeah um, but anyway yeah so um, the, Heyman says this is the point of no return um, we've got to win this next match why? for bragging for, for, for bragging rights, rights I guess um, and Kidman says that he'll go out there and show everyone why X-Pac sucks and he does in this yeah. next champion versus champion match. It's X-Pac, who is the uh, WWF light heavyweight champion versus the WCW cruiserweight champion, Billy Kidman. We get to hear that sweet, sweet Uncle Cracker, <laughs> yo, you dealing with the X-Factor music. <laughs> I got everything I ever wanted. I never get that back. Re- you don't hear it in mm. WWF like recap pay-per-views because they essentially stole the song from Uncle Cracker and didn't pay him the rights. And then had to dub it over an X Factor. So it just go like, yo, you're dealing with the X Factor. And then just be like generic music. Mm. So this is a rare, a rare occurrence where we actually get to hear the song. Oh, fun. How fun. Um, we get to JR telling the story about how X Packer was fired from WCW via FedEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kidman has ditched his wife beater look from WCW for this brand new look where he's essentially wearing sort of like the, uh, the bicycle shorts. Yeah, it's. And. The, and Later on, in the next couple of years, Kidman would pack on an uncomfortable amount of muscle. Oh, yeah. Uh, really hit the gym hard. Really trained hard to put on more muscle than his frame it is probably capable of. Yes. But this is this is still my Kidman. Even oh, yeah. though he's changed his look a bit. Like, the, he actually still looks like the Billy Kidman in my head. He, and he really does. And it's... Um... And I, actually, he is one of the best things on this show, I would say. Like, I uh, think this match is pretty good. I think this match is pretty good as well. And it's it's weird as well, because you know we were just talking about how all the baby faces are Team WWF <laughs> and all the heels yeah. are Team WCW. Here, 
X-Pac is acting like a heel and Billy Kidman is acting like a babyface. Completely. X-Pac works as... The, the, the whole match is based around X-Pac working as a heel. Gets him in the headlocks, yeah. grounds him down. Which then jars with Michael Cole saying, hey, it's very weird to hear this crowd booing someone who is Team WWF. <laughs> But they all hate X-Pac. They do all hate X-Pac. Uh, but yeah, this is... this. Actually, JR said that X-Pac will be cheered tonight. <coughs> oh, he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, this match is pretty good. I think this dates quite well yeah, in terms does. of in-ring yeah, action. Yeah. Just because it starts off... The crowd feel like they're into this as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was different. I mean, you previously, we haven't, we've seen a refs match and we've seen the APA match. This is like a lovely bit of uh, a breath mm. of fresh air, you might say. And, and Kidman really has the crowd behind him. And there's some really nice stuff in here. Kidman does a baseball slide into a bulldog on X-Pac on the outside. Yeah. That, that's a lovely little spot. A lovely little <laughs> spot, yeah. And there was a lot of like one-upmanship as well. Mm. Um, there was a moment where I thought that Kidman was busted open, but I think it was just ticker tape. Yeah, I thought that as well <laughs> on his back. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how did that happen? Oh, yeah. no, that's okay. It's just ticker tape. Um, X-Pac tries a power bomb, but Kidman reversed it into an X-Factor using X-Pac's own move against him. Attitude era. And then Kidman dives and X-Pac catches him with an X-Factor, but surprisingly, that's not the finish. Because Kidman then blocks the Bronco Buster with a boot, and he hits the Shooting Star Press for the win. Yeah, he's his Shooting Star Press. We're, we're used to the Shooting Star Presses of Evan Bourne. And, oh, where well, you actually jump. Yeah, where well, you actually get air. Yeah, you don't just fall. But, I mean, it's kind of more impressive how Kidman does it. He does flip. He does fall with style. Yeah, where he just somehow rotates backwards like that yeah. from a front-facing position with no height. That's it, yeah. So now you would like you would jump in the air and flip while you're in air. This is like he just jumps forward and sort of turns himself, uses the momentum of the forward <laughs> jump to flip himself over. It is impressive. He and when he gets up for that move, the whole crowd stand up. Yeah. And they don't do that on this show. Like that that for a move to be over like that, it's it, really missing from these days. And then you kind of see the reaction that Kidman gets from this and you think, "Oh man, he is someone that might get a push off the back of this." invasion storyline nope he's not featured on any pay-per-view moving forwards um until after it's all said and done that's a shame because he's marketable like there's a few guys on here even when it's not the top tier of talent that you could have had like kidman rob van dam is just he's just got money written all over oh, him. only just yeah uh brian alvarez would say that kidman actually wore tights to the ring i guess scotty too is the only one allowed to wear jean shorts in the wwf some very good <laughs> wrestling early but it really started to slow down midway through two stars from brian alvarez that's unfair i think dave uh thought very similar said the word on kidman was always that he desperately needed a new ring outfit now that he's got one he still does uh, uh he still does as though oh okay right <laughs> this is dave with some 2000 slights here okay so i'll try that again the word on kidman was that he always desperately needed a new ring outfit now that he's got one he still does as those tight biker shorts are so four years ago <laughs> Catty Dave. Catty Dave Meltzer in 2001. Nothing wrong with the match, but nothing compared to Kidman's matches on WCW pay-per-view events. Two stars. That is right. Like, as I mean, maybe we're just saying we enjoyed it comparatively to what was on the rest of the card. Uh, yeah, I think that's very true. Because X-Pac and Billy Kidman, on paper, actually, in a pay-per-view match, champion versus champion, 
should have been a lot better. Yeah. And well, not should have, but could have been a lot better. And to kind of like point out sort of how fe- people were feeling about this match compared to, you know, what we might be thinking about it now or what the match they probably could have had on a WCW pay-per-view like with the Cruiserweight matches. See if you can spot the theme from the three reviews that we've had thus far. With Wade Keller saying, strong match while it lasted, but overall well below the potential for these two. X-Pac for the first time wore long pants with no upper body strap. Kidman wore tights instead of jeans. Brackets, three stars. <laughs> Love that attire. Everyone is just wants to talk about their attire. Not the wrestling match that happened, but what the two lads were wearing. Yeah. But yeah, three stars from Wade Keller. His highest rating thus far. Mm. Uh, DDP comes into the bad guy's locker room and celebrates with Heyman and Steph. And he wants to talk about Deborah, but, he isn't, but she isn't as sweet as Sarah. He says he's in Taker and Austin's heads. Is he, though? Is he, though, yeah. Steph looks disgusted by all of this as well. Credit to uh, Stephanie. Great acting on her. Where mm. she comes in, she's like, I really don't want this guy on our team. Mm. He, he is not the sort of guy I, I want on our side. Yeah, let's just bury him. Yeah. Bury, bury, bury. <laughs> but then, Luke, we get the true main event <laughs> setup of the evening. You ready, Tori? Stace, I was born ready. You know what? It's just too bad the audience is going to have to settle to see Trish Stratus and her raw tonight. They're going to be missing out on these big, voluptuous breasts. Your breasts and my ass. My legs go from here all the way up to here. And no one looks better in panties than me, especially Lita. The only way I could look better would be to be wearing none at all. But since the audience isn't going to see it, I think there might be two people that we could give a private showing to. Mm. Maybe after the show, we can give a private viewing to Matt and Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. You know they want us. <laughs> Stace, you do have a firm ass. I know. Tori Wilson and Stacy Keebler are backstage talking about Tori's breasts yep. and Stacy's legs. And butt. And how those are a winning combination. And they're going to show those WWF tramps that WCW women have hotter bodies. I take back everything bad I said about Sarah's acting. Because she was probably better than Tori and Stacey were in this segment. But it wasn't the only wooden thing when I was watching this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I find them very, very attractive. (laughs) And and, and like this, honestly, Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler, they were my childhood crushes. Like, it goes beyond a lust. This is a a deep romantic, I want you to be my girlfriend and I want to watch movies with you when it's raining outside. See, this is where you and I are going to be very different on this because I was a Lita and Trish man. I'm a Lita and Trish. I was Mm. a Lita and Trish guy. So I wanted to see them win. And by win, I mean lose in the the tag match that they would have later on. Yeah, so we haven't uh, said the stipulation. It's a bar and panties match that they're going to have. The loser is the one that is stripped to their bra and panties Yes, it's it was a different time. It was a different. It was a you know this sort of thing was acceptable back mm. then. And you know, like if I w- if Pete was here, he'd be aghast. <laughs> but and we lived through it, and the, uh, we've changed. Yeah, but the, this is how society was back then. I'm not. I'm not condoning it. Nope. I'm just trying to explain it. If you are a younger viewer with uh, more. You've got a you've got a more progressive starting point than we had. Exactly. 
WWE, for example, put this in a video game for children. It was just, it was a different time. Mm. It was a different time. Uh, the, anyway, and, they were terrible promos, and they but they also said to kind of give us a bit more storyline that they're going to have a private meeting with Matt and Jeff Hardy, which they didn't. No, but it, it, it's. I think they might have done it on a later episode of Raw or SmackDown or something. I got the hint that they were going to do this tonight ahead of the tag match for tactics. I think they said they were going to do it after they won. Okay, I don't. I know. wasn't paying attention. No, to what they I, I, I know saying. it might just be their terrible delivery. But let's be honest. Now we've got to talk oh, about the God. real, real star of the show because it's Chili Willy Regal taking on. The best wrestler in the world, Raven. <laughs> He's so cool. And his music gets cut short. And it should have been a longer entrance. But Raven is the best. <laughs> this is like... This is, <laughs> this is like real cool Raven as well. He's got the leather jacket. He's got his awesome t-shirt. He's got his three-quarter jeans on. He's got proper hair. He's got the cool beard. This is my Raven. This is when Raven... This is peak Raven for me. Um, Apart from all the ECW stuff, it's, obviously. It's a shame he didn't seem to care. Oh, he couldn't care less. No. no. So, and this match is bad. Yeah. This the, is a bad match. And, and it's that's surprising, considering the people in the match. But it... Cole puts over how Raven was a, a member of the WWF before defecting to ECW. But, like, I... He's only been in WWF less than a year. Less than a year by this point. Yeah. He was with ECW a long time before that. And WCW. Yeah, good point. And Cole says it was Paul Heyman who makes reasonable level-headed men join his Like you're talking about <laughs> Raven. He's a former ECW champion. And his character like he has cults around him. <laughs> I just do. <don't. laughs> <a> better point. <laughs> I just, it's like, it, you know, that WWE here are telling a story that is that they want to tell, irrespective of everyone's characters that they've just bought. Yeah. Um, do you want to read, I heard of recently one of the reasons why Raven got a bit of heat backstage and why he was never really pushed in WWF. Because old Shane was a big fan of ECW, but... Raven might have been a bit of a bad influence on Shaney Boy. Ooh. Some, with the old drinks. Mm. And I don't think Vince took very kindly to that. Only Vince is allowed to like nearly stab him in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Was that on a podcast? It was on a podcast, yeah. Was, I think it's one of the reasons why Raven ne never really got a push. But mm. also, apparently, the reason why this match kind of comes, comes falls apart a little bit is this was put together very last minute, apparently. Um, it was announced on Heat, but like it was like last minute, last... You know, chapter 13, we need to actually put another match on the card here, and it's going to be Raven versus William Regal. Go and figure something out. Yeah, because and there's a, how many matches are on this card? There are 10, right? Yeah. It's a two-hour, 40-minute pay-per-view. Right. Yeah, two-hour, 40 minutes, under three hours. 10, that, 10 that, matches that an these NXT days. Level. That's an NXT show. Yeah, 10 matches these days is a four-hour show. Yeah. And I'm not saying... You know what? Maybe I prefer the two, two hour, 40 minutes then. But at least the, the, the match quality is so much better these days on yeah. average. Uh, JR also says that Raven is dressed like a bum, so I guess I dress like a bum now. <laughs> uh, uh, he also says, 
Hey Everyone Watching and, and Channel 4 in the UK. Yeah, that was yes, me. Us. That was me. I was doing that. Uh, crowd were not into this at all. And like, there's there's no communication between these two. It's kind of baffling. Like, Regal is so slow coming off the Raven clothesline spot where he, you know, he whips you into the corner, then he bounces off the rope to give you the clothesline. Regal's so slow to come back for it. The Raven has to kind of stop and, and start his momentum again. It's so clumsy. Mm. It's a really, really shockingly clumsy match. And Regal takes a terrible-looking bulldog. Like, it's just everything they do is really, really bad. And the crowd starts chanting, boring. Reverse each other's finishes. Both men get knocked down. Taz comes in and suplexes Regal. Oh, Referee doesn't see it. Raven effect. Raven wins. I've written here five stars, but I think I might have uh, been clouded by how cool Raven looked. Conspiracy theory. Please give me one. Regal is one of the uh, sort of... He's in that Triple H he's in, crew. He's in the Vince uh, inner circle at this point. Yeah, he's in the Vince inner circle. Is this Regal testing Raven? Ooh, you know, yeah. here's, here's some jabroni. Look how he dresses. Yep. There's, you know, the, the rumor of the Shane thing that you just mentioned. Yep. Is this, I'm going to make you look crap, mate? Yeah. I think it was also, um, this was in the WrestleTalk magazine. I think it might be one of our early issues in the Ask WrestleTalk segment. Actually, no, I think it was in um, sort of like a recap of an old pay-per-view. And it was Sid versus um, Scott Steiner, I think it was. And I, I might have got those two names mixed up, but essentially... Oh, no, it was Mr. Perfect. It was Mr. Perfect against Sid. And they had like planned out a load of spots to do. But Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, knew that Sid wouldn't be able to do the match without those spots. So he got into the ring, and t the first thing he said to Sid was, I've forgotten all the spots. You're going to have to guide me through this. Mm. Knowing that Sid wouldn't be able to, so Sid then had a terrible match. <laughs> yeah, so this, this does happen. It does happen. Um, Brian Alvarez was not a fan. He called it a total styles clash and not good. One star. It was bad. Yeah, uh, yeah Dave would say this match did not get over at all. Uh, quarter of a star from Dave Meltzer. And Wade would, say, uh, Wade would say their styles didn't seem to mesh, but it was never boring. And then would give what? it a star and three quarters. The crowd <laughs> literally chanted boring. Not for, not for Wade Keller, though. Wade Keller said it was never boring. Oh my word. It was only six minutes as well. It felt, felt like it went forever. Yeah. Uh, Vince is backstage with Taker and Kane. He tells them to be at their best as they've now lost two in a row. Ooh. And um, Taker's wearing a T-shirt that says that it's my yard. And uh, he says that DDP is in his craw. I don't know what that means. I don't really know. Taker grabs Vince by the throat and he shoves him against a wall. He says, tonight we're going to see the best of The Undertaker. And Vince smiles because he got what he wanted. And the best of The Undertaker line is uh, a reference to DDP's video collection of Sarah was called The Best of Sarah. Mm. Um, you, you remember these, uh, the story that um, someone that decoded the, uh, the voice on the DDP videotapes? Oh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, so the video, before DDP was revealed, they had like, this sort of distorted voice going like, I'm watching you, Sarah. You mm. look so good when you undress and you get out of a pool. Ooh, you look so sexy. And someone later in years kind of like took the audio and de like, put, like, took off all of yeah. the modifiers. And it's Vince. No And way. it's Vince reading all the lines. And it's Vince going like, oh, Sarah, you look so good oh when you get God. out of the pool. That's so Vince. That's <laughs> such a Vince thing to do. It's so, creepy. <laughs> so creepy. Oh, right. Well, let's talk about this barn burner next. <laughs> <laughs> so on, this is honest to God. I, I, I write down um, who's in the match at the start of my notes, yeah. you know, just to divide it up. I have read a Big Show, Gun, and Albert versus 
and then I have obviously gotten bored, <laughs> and I haven't written the who <laughs> they're against. <laughs> Sean yeah. Stasiak, Hugh Morris, and Chris Canyon. That's correct, yes. It's Stasiak. Talk about a match that's thrown together at the last minute. It says, and out Prince Albert's the Intercontinental Champion. How, he's the ICJ. He was getting a massive push at this time. Yeah, and Billy Gunn was the one the Billy one Billy Gunn. Gun. I got it all. It's the one Billy Gunn. Him uh. and uh, Big Show were a tag team. They had uh, formed a tag team together, Shoguns, um, because... They felt they were being underutilized, so they became a tag team together to show that they should be getting a, more of a push in this company. The tag team didn't do anything. I don't think they actually had any storylines, <laughs> and some might say, well, underutilized. Um, yeah, and they're taking on the team of Sean Stasiak, who remarkably is one of the people that they hired back. Did you meet? The Hunkin Trunks. The Hunkin Trunks. Chris Canyon and Hugh Morris. Is that Hugh Morris? Am I supposed to laugh? Is your name Hugh Morris? Is what Austin was saying. What? <laughs> when he started in the what gimmick. This is a total mismatch. Surprisingly big pop for the one Billy Gunn, though. Uh, yeah, I, but the the opening wasn't bad. Oh, so yeah, they did all the, the big press Yeah, slams. yeah. So all the WWF guys immediately lift the WCW guys above their heads yeah. in an overhead press. Keep them there for a bit. Crowd pop big. And then they chuck them to the ground. Uh, impressive visual, but that is literally it. Yeah, and... All the three WWF guys get their own entrances, but the WCW guys all come out together like absolute nerds. Yeah. And it's to Stasiak's theme as well, when like in the dying days of WCW, where he was feuding with Kurt Henning because he was the new Mr. Perfect. So he's got his remix of Mr. Perfect's theme. <laughs> And it's so weird to hear that in WWF with zero context of why he's got that music. It, yeah. It just th th this is the peak. This is the peak match of what the hell are you doing, WWF? Yeah. You've got WCW to represent. Like, Sean Stasiak, Hugh Morris, Chris Canyon have no business being anywhere near Not the first WCW versus WWF pay-per-view, nope. let alone one that also has ECW stars. Nope, absolutely not. Yeah, they do some moves, and um, who won? It's not even a good match. Oh, um, Mor Morris pinned gun. Does Morris pin gun? In a very schmoz of a finish. <laughs> so Stasiak hits a reverse DDT and... Uh, oh, and he tries to pin him, but he's not the legal he's man. He's not the legal man, so he just puts Morris on him. But Morris isn't actually on him. It's just kind of his left leg is over uh, Gunn's Gun. left leg. I think, yeah, when Stasiak goes to pin him, you can actually hear Billy Gunn tell him to get off because you're not the legal man. Yeah, it's it's no good. And as soon as the the Alliance team wins, Big Show runs in and beats them all up. And then the WWF guys all hit their moves on them. Yep, with Billy Gunn, uh, Billy Gunn rather, Big Show even doing the rarely seen finisher, <laughs> Early Oop! Who That's thought? <laughs> if you've never seen the Alley Oop, Right, try and imagine this. If you've not seen this pay-per-view, try and imagine that <laughs> someone did this, as a, and he would do this on TV. This was his new finisher, where he would get them into a powerbomb position, and then he would fall backwards, so the guys fall onto their face, but their knob falls into his face. <laughs> I'm glad he went with the punch. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. This was one of those moves where you're like, why did you stop doing the choke slam? It's the attitude era, man. <laughs> I guess. Here's my dick, in, my your dick in your face. Yeah, apart from it's a move done. Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Brian Alfred would say, finish Here's was... your dick in my face. <laughs> 
Farron Alvarez would say, finish was so utterly horrible. <laughs> Stasiak hit Billy with a reverse DDT. Morris went to cover him, but Stasiak decided he wanted to make the cover too. Morris told him to get the hell out of the ring. So Stasiak rolled out the ring and Morris got the pin. Looked so hokey, half a star from Brian Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, Dave Meltzer would say, fans didn't seem to care about Gunn, who did that heel turn that nobody, uh, nobody was... <clears throat> what the hell? Fans didn't seem to care about Gunn. Bear in mind, I read these verbatim as, as Dave wrote them back in the day. Fans didn't seem to care about Gunn. Who did that heel turn that nobody was didn't register? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know how to take Albert since he's on TV as a heel, and he also gave it, well, he actually gave it a quarter of a star. And the pro wrestling torch would say, forgettable, crowd disinterested, one star. <laughs> I, I've got to give props to a member of the crowd opposite the hard cam mail who had a different sign for every referee. Nice. Did you see this I didn't, know, I didn't see him. So uh, I only noticed it when they had a sign that said Teddy Long. And I thought, but Teddy Long isn't yet. That's, you know, that's a couple of years on SmackDown when yeah, he becomes a he's general just a manager. He's a ref at this point. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Teddy Long's the ref for this match. It was, uh, what was it? can't find it now but it was one of the early matches here he's got uh charles robinson sign oh really yeah oh, and then cute. yeah you can see him with a different sign for each match i like that uh we cut backstage and booker t and shane are shining up both of booker's titles because he is the wcw world heavyweight champion and he's the united states champion and it's here that they reference that they're in the lead because charvo beats scotty <laughs> Zuhotti on heat um, and he's, uh, Booker says that uh, uh, Jericho and Angle are suckers and he's the greatest of all time. And then they just start talking over each other and shouting over each other. And it is pretty rubbish. I liked it. Oh, really? I, yeah, I just did. Because there's no star power on this pay-per-view. A lot That's of the true. backstage bits have been... It's, it's not well performed. I had seen Booker T there. And when Booker T was definitely at the start doing his promo. He's a hell of a promo. Oh, yeah. And when you're that charismatic, Ultimate Warrior case in point, your words don't have to make sense. Maybe. You just right, have yeah. to say it with a lot of conviction. And Shane's like yelling, at, like it amps up Shane as well. I didn't mind it. I like the partnership with those two. Though. Yeah. I really did. So Jerry, you came to the WWF and you asked me if you could get your shot here in the WWF and you stayed true and loyal to the WWF. So tonight, tonight is your shot. You go out there and you take that foul, miserable, toe-rag little gobsack Taz and you pull him apart for me, for Mr. McMahon and most of all for the WWF. Now you can do it, can't you? I know you can do it, can't you? So bloody well go and show it. I'll get him. What I did like, though, is Regal rushing into his office and shouting at Tajiri. He said, tells Tajiri that he came to the WWF for opportunities. So you go get that gob... Go, what's he? You go get that gobshite little toe-rag Taz, <laughs> and you beat you bloody well beat him up. Yeah. It was terrific. And Tajiri's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Tajiri, by the way, had an amazing segment in the lead-up to this pay-per-view, where, because Tajiri's a former ECW mm. guy, and he... Because him and Regal have got this sort of partnership, this friendship, there's a match between Regal and Taz, and Tajiri runs down, 
And then he reveals he's wearing an ECW t-shirt. And Regal's like, oh no, he's my friend has turned against me. And then he just turns around and kicks Taz in the face and oh. reveals that he's really Team WWF. It's like in the crowd, goes, like, the crowd goes ballistic for it. Yeah, Regal and Tajiri is just, who would have thought that partnership oh, would work? Amazing. But it's so good. Yeah. Uh, th th like Heath Slater and Rhino is yeah. the only thing in modern times I can think That's of. That's actually a very good shout, yeah. Uh, and Tajiri is in action next because he's taking on Taz. Taz, color commentator at this point, is now in an ECW shirt. He's an ECW wrestler again. He turned his back on the WWF, says Michael Cole, because he's a commentator for SmackDown. JR says that he's paranoid. And this really should be an, uh, uh, this is like a proper ECW match. Mm. This is Taz versus Tajiri. But because of the way that WWS was filmed, these lads look tiny yeah. in the ring. The ring like dwarfs them. It's a good point, actually. Um, I, most most of my criticism comes that Taz doesn't care. Mm. Like this, Taz is so lazy in this match. Yeah, he's he's bad. Like this is. This is uh, like a legend who's been paid to come into your local indie show. Yes, and, that's exactly it. And he's just like going through the motions. I'll do my five spots and we'll get out yeah. of there. There's this one bit where he whips Tajiri into the corner and he just doesn't try. You know, he just like, he just pushes him on his back. But he's just, Taz just stands there yeah. still. I, th I thought, but Tajiri, you know, ultimate professional. That he's so he's go great. Goes 100%. Uh, but I, yeah, Taz was crap and to be honest like can you blame him yeah he knows he's losing like obviously you should be professional and do stuff but at the same time there's only so much crap you can take and he obviously adores the original ecw and, and now he's doing this bastardization invasion angle of it yeah it's it's a crap match i think it's it's not great at all um, and it's but it's that's all taz yeah, to, I can't fault Tajiri in it. And uh, we, I mean, we get the uh, the tarantula, which is always fun, and we get some wicked kicks by but Taz. Tajiri. Doesn't sell it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's Taz's gimmick. He doesn't sell stuff. But there's when he doesn't sell stuff when he's good, he's intense about it. Yeah. he looks bored. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Um, missed in the eyes, kicked to the face. Tajiri wins. This could have been a much better match oh, than it yeah. was. Could have been, should have been a much better match. But then again, Taz should have been a bigger deal in WWF mm. than, than he was. Um, although, I mean, I, while we weren't fans of it, it got much better reviews in the dirt sheets. Really? Brian Alvarez would say, I hope the WWF realized they have something here with Tajiri. Pretty good while it lasted. Two and a quarter stars. Um, uh, Dave Meltz would say, Tajiri is great. Taz looks slow and rusty, but still throws a mean suplex. A star and three quarters. Progress and Torch would say, fun match. Stiff at times, two and a half stars. <laughs> well, Tajiri's great, isn't it? Tajiri is yeah. great. Absolutely, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. And I, I'd say as well, that that is a string where you had Raven and Regal, you had the six-man tag, and then this. I was really starting to lose patience with this pay-per-view. Yeah. Really starting Just to lose patience. thrown together exhibition matches. Yeah. That's all these are. Thank God for the next match that's coming up. Before oh, yeah. we get there, Jeff's warming up, Jeff Hardy, that is, is warming up backstage, and Matt's giving him advice. He tells them, you need to finish this quick. And all of a sudden, Rob Van Dam runs out from the back and wallops yeah. Matt with a chair. Like, proper wallops him. And then points to Jeff and goes, you're next. And then runs yeah. away. Yeah, he's like, here's ECW. <laughs> <Chair>. Cheshire. <laughs> Concussion. Uh, and then we cut to what might be one of my favorite segments <laughs> of this whole show. It's Bob Holly signing stuff at WWF New York. 
Well, ACW's Rob Van Dam meets Jeff Hardy later on tonight, but they are enjoying invasion in the heart of Times Square, New York City, at WWF New York. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right? There you go. Take care. And this kid has the hubris to walk up in a WCW shirt. And Bob Holly is not happy about it. -uh. And he gets bullied by Holly in what I imagine is a recreation of what the WCW wrestlers received when they first arrived backstage (laughs) in WWF. What's this T-shirt? What WC? This ain't WCW, New York boy. And then just starts whipping him. Says like, get out of here. Get out in the crowd again. Ballistic for it. They loved it. Yeah, it's bad. I, I mean, it's bad good. Like, yeah. yeah, I loved it too. Loved it. Um, but I, I really, really admire the transition to Matt has just been decapitated by a chair and no one says anything. It's like, <laughs> oh, and here's what happened earlier today. Yeah, in w- WWF New York. I, good, announcers? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you outraged? No, nah, it's just Matt. That's just Matt. It's all right. Jeff's the ones wrestling. And they are going to be wrestling next for the WWF Hardcore Championship. I would argue... Of all the matches on this card, this is the one that really feels like a genuine dream yeah. into promotional match. Yes. Like, two guys, you're like, I cannot wait to see these two have a match. Like, Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam, that is a dream match right there for 2001. Cannot wait to see it. And they deliver as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, this is the only match that fits the concept. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not even WCW. <laughs> no, it's ECW, yeah. <laughs> Uh, JR, in fact, says, because the crowd reaction for RVD is huge. And JR says, that's oh, the ECW faithful in the crowd who are really into Rob Van Dam. Yeah, and there's a, even a sign at the back, which is quite an elaborate one of the RV, like, it's RVD's face cut out. And then two other guys have got a thumb each that yeah. they point at it. Uh, yeah, this is, this is very good. When Jeff comes out, initially... Very girly scream reactions. Oh, you can hear that. You yeah. can hear the definition in the crowd for the females into Jeff and the men into RVD. Well, I thought that would be the case, you know, RVD and eh, Jeff. But then when the match gets going, very deep voiced, Hardy, Hardy. So the guys are into every look, both guys are over. Even though RVD wrestles as a heel, he's so good. Oh, yeah. That everyone just gets on his side. He's. I mean, I've written down here, take a drink every time J.R. or Cole calls RVD's offense unorthodox. (laughs) (laughs) Which is usually saved for Jeff Hardy, isn't it? Like, Jeff Hardy has the unorthodox offense, but but his offense is so unorthodox, Unorthodox. it's impossible not to be enraptured by him. And this is our only championship match on the whole show as well, and it is for the the hardcore championship. Mm. And this was like I I loved this match. Yeah, I thought this match was so good. And RVD comes out of this whole pay per view looking like a star. Like he's the kind of guy when it finishes, like he's got to get a push off the back of this. And he is the only guy that really does off the back of this show gets a push. He has a WWF championship match on pay per view two months after this, I think. So triple threats him, Austin, and Angle, mm. and that's really good because that's when. 
Austin just did not trust RVD because RVD was trying to take the title from him. And he's like, no, no, we've got to work together. But RVD's like, yeah, but I could also be WWF <laughs> champion. So, you know, whatever, man. Cool, cool, bro. Whatever, man. It's the sort of promos that RVD would later bury in that uh, mm. ECW one night stand uh, that we reviewed. But lots of fun spots in this. Um, like Hardy pushes, uh, pushes RVD like off the top rope into the barricade um, to some light ECW chance. And then Hardy tries to run the barricade, but RVD jumps up and they just collide. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> oh, spectacular stuff. I mean, I don't know what they had planned, but they made it look good. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a much better... It wasn't too dissimilar to El Hebner's Pat, uh, Patrick tackle. Yes, the Pat tackle. But it, it looked better. Yeah. Um, RVD does a spinning kick to Jeff Hardy's neck as he's draped over the barricade and then does a powerbomb off the apron uh, by Hardy to RVD on the floor with a rough landing. Yeah, a sunset flip powerbomb out the ring, uh, yeah, which is a Takahashi spot yeah. that he uses these days. That that's big. Like that's very innovative stuff. These two guys must have just got together in a room and been like, "How can we get over? Do these like what's the craziest thing our bodies can allow us to do athletically?" Yeah, and they did a bunch of them. I, I, or was it a case of they wanted to have a safe match and Michael Hayes would have said, "Hey boys, you better jump yeah, off these yeah. ladders. You better do these spots. That's what this crowd want." Um, and then speaking of which, Hardy yeah. grabs a ladder and he starts to climb it, and it is. A very, very tall ladder. It's the massive ladder. Oh, this is the massive ladder. This isn't the one where you have to really reach to grab the title. It's the one where you have to reach down to grab the title. And, yeah, RVD then pushes the ladder over and successfully does so. And Jeff lands on the floor as as safe as he can do. But still, it's a big old fall. It's a weird bump to take because it's not actually that visually impressive. No. Uh... Because just falling off a ladder isn't. Falling off a ladder through some tables is both safer and a lot more visually that makes a satisfying. Big crunching sound. Yeah, and it looks yeah. great. So I just don't know why. I, w- I would have preferred a table to have been there. It would have looked like a better spot and it would actually have been safer. Yeah. Uh, they then get a chair. RVD hits the Van Daminator and sends Jeff falling off the stage. That, like they're brawling up. Yeah. It's like, oh, it was amazing. That was a real good twist because Jeff. RVD got the chair, Jeff got it off of him and started going ECW on RVD. And it looks like Van Damme is begging off, which is unusual for Van Damme because that is a cowardly heel move. And there is no indication that he is going to jump up. Like, usually you would sort of twist your body or prep because he's on a kneeling down begging position. And he somehow goes from there, no transition into, I've just kicked him in the face (laughs) with the chair for a Van Dammeinator. Oh, it's so good. And then you kind of like, battle up on the ramp and then get back into the ring. Jeff's bleeding from the head at this mm. point. Uh, we hit the Van Terminator, but Hardy counters that with a split-legged moonsault. It gets a, a DDT by Jeff Renierfall because RVD can sell the S <laughs> out of a DDT. He, he spikes his head into yeah. the ground. Oh, he's so good at it. He's yeah. amazing. Crowd popping huge for this. Jeff misses a swanton. RVT puts the belt onto Hardy, hits the five-star frog splash onto the belt, RVD wins. That match was awesome. Really good. Yeah. What? Um. When did the hardcore title get into the ring? I don't know. <laughs> I was confused by that. I was like, what did? Did the ref bring it in? Yeah. Maybe the ref was carrying it because the ref has to carry the hardcore belt when they're like brawling on the outside in case someone wins there to give it to them. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe. I th- maybe. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, Bri- really good match. Brian Alvarez also loved it. He said it's a damn good match, which the crowd went hoss for. I like this far better than almost any of Van Damme's ECW matches, mainly because he seemed to do a better job choosing his spots and didn't throw out every single move in the world. Most of his ECW matches mm. numbed me. This one was just very entertaining. Four stars. Dave Meltzer would call it the uh, the show stealer and gave it four stars. Show stealer. And Wade Keller would say, too short to be match of the year candidate, but full of nice spots. Yet they saved huh. a lot for later. Four stars. I do agree, though, that like this was a good match, but it, it, it had another five Twi- minutes I was going to say, 12, ma- 12 minutes is short, considering the opening tag match went 10. Yeah. This felt like it could have gone a lot longer. I mean, they could have gone 20, Yeah, I, I felt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, match of the match of the show by a considerable margin. Oh yeah, um, and which makes me sometimes think because I really enjoyed watching it back and watching it at the time would have you know been mind blowing. Oh, this blew my mind in two thousand one. But it, watching it back, um, I wasn't. It was better in my head. Mm. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy watching it back, but I thought it was, I thought it was even better from my memory, and. I think maybe some of it might be because the rest of the pay-per-view is so bad that the this match feels might feel better than it is. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, this it's sort of elevated because everything below it, like the bar is so low at yes. this point. It's particularly the last three matches that we've had, the bar was set so low that this like you know five star frog splashed all the way over it. Um, we go backstage and Vince calls in Kern Angle, and this was like where we really established that Kern Angle is the babyface that we mm. are pushing to the top of this company against Heel Austin. Well, you know, when we'd eventually learn that it's Heel Austin later. And um, like Vince is telling you about it, to think about all the things that WCW have done to you. Think about America. And Angle says, Enough of this Americana BS. And he says the actual word. He does, yeah. yeah. Whoa. The you know red I, and white and blue bull ass. Do you know what I did in 1996? I kicked serious ass. I did it for my country. I'm going to do this for my country, this company, and myself. It's true. It's damn true. Hell of a promo. Oh, it's great. Re- and it just shows, like, that the, the year before, he was doing comedy goofball stuff that was perfect. Yep. And he, he's so talented, he could just switch into badass and oh, be yeah. so genuinely badass as well. It's interesting because this is the genesis of the wrestling machine character yes. that we get four years later. That's very true, actually. And, yeah. and that, really, that really comes out when he is leading the charge in the five-on-five. Five. Uh, but there is a beautiful segue here from <laughs> Michael Cole. <laughs> I hoped you spotted this. I'll, uh, you... The king of Segway style. Yeah, uh, because Kurt Angle has just talked about kicking ass. Serious ass. Michael Cole then says, talking of behinds. No, oh, I mean, I've got the direct quote here because Kurt Angle said, I kick some serious ass. And Cole says, speaking of serious behind. <laughs> oh, yeah, because this is a really serious match. It's the co-main event. <laughs> It's <laughs> Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson versus Trish Stratus and Lita. In a in the first ever tag team bra and panties match, and would you believe this one gets a video package? Tori and I, we have thought up of the first ever bra and panty tag team match at Invasion. So we're gonna prove to Trish and Lita why the women of WCW always come out on top. Trish, look, I understand we have to team together at Invasion for the Braun Panties tag team match, okay? Right. I'm okay with that. 
important business, but we do have some major personal issues. Yeah, personal differences, which began a couple of weeks ago when Trish Stratus and Lita's mind had the gall to plant a big old kiss on Lita's boyfriend, Matt Hardy. I don't think Lita's too pleased either with Trish's uh, budding relationship with the one Jeff Hardy. Lita says, come on, let's just get this thing on. Let's get this settled right now. Tori and I are gonna prove why the women of WCW are much more attractive. We have better bodies and we're way more athletic than Trish and Lita. It was a nice meeting you. What, what was that all about? Look at the look on Lita's face. She saw that all happen. Man, this is not going to bode well. That invasion between these four women, let me tell you. Look, I know we're not the best of friends, but we are WWF. And that is why we need to stick together. There's Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler of WCW. Tori and Stacey taking it to Trish. Here comes Lita. And Lita means business here. The invasion bra and panties match, we are going to humiliate them. I do to Trish Stratus tonight is going to be nothing compared to what we do to her and Lita this Sunday at Invasion. Tori Wilson's going to find herself in a situation she's very familiar with. She's going down. Trish and Lita against Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson. Invasion is going to be unreal. First team to strip their opponents down to their broad panties wins. It's that simple. Two of these ladies are going to be stripped down to their unmissionable. Broad panties, first ever tag team. We were complaining earlier that there were no real feuds coming into this. At least this is a feud with a storyline. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a storyline based around WCW girls wanting to prove they're sexier and they have the better bodies. Yep. Look, this is gross. <laughs> In the cold, harsh light of 2019. Oh, yeah. This is gross. Yep. In a post-Me Too world, yeah. this is quite gross. But. <laughs> with that said. Let's get past that. Let's move past that. Well, let's review this as if it was 2001 oh, all over again. I don't know again. if I can do that. But actually, I've got <laughs> a question. It'd be very awkward with you in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a question about the feud, actually. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> because what Trish and Lita, Trish was trying to kiss Matt and Jeff? Yeah, so they were in a relationship. So obviously, Matt and Lisa are in a relationship together. That's been established on TV. And their brother and sister. Well, yes, yeah. I think so. In the, in the world of WWF. If, if Vince had his way, yeah, they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, but then Trish started having a relationship with Jeff that I think Lisa was jealous of because she doesn't like Trish because they're, you know, they're frenemies. Yes. So she doesn't want this Jezebel getting involved with her family, a family adjacent with, with Matt. I got you. Uh, you know, interfering with Team Extreme, you know, stuff. She doesn't want that. So that was a, that was a storyline that they were having, yep. similar to the Edge and Christian yes. heel turn thing. But... Uh, the but invasion happened. The, but then they also use that as kind of like a backdrop to explain why Trish and Lita are a tag team together because Stacy and Tori then join the company and they start to flirt with the Hardy Boys. Because when you've just joined a company, you've got to go for the hottest guys in the company, right? So you go after Matt and Jeff. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they go after Matt and Jeff. And the Hardys 
come off like the dumbest pair of bastards in the entire world. Because they walk <laughs> up to them and start flirting, and they look like they do not realize that it's happening. They're like, duh, what? What are you saying to me? Yeah. It is. I felt so embarrassed for the Hardy Boys. They look like chumps. And, and our gender. <laughs> you know, it's not just yeah. the Hardy Boys. It's boys comma general exactly and like Tori and Stacey is sort of like we're so much hotter than them we have got so much better bodies <laughs> than they have got and we really want to show the WWF fans that we have got the better bodies yeah uh, and and the, the way to show that is to, to lose well, yeah, to be by a, have been stripped I was going to say to be in a tag match where you don't show off your body mm. yeah it's a mess. It's it's obviously it's very contrived to just get uh, a lot of titillation here. Oh yeah, that's this, all this is there for. And like Tori's final, uh, Trisha's final line rather is that Tori will do what she does best: go down, mm. Mm. catty. Um, yeah, I so I watched this match at work. I had to put it as small as I possibly could on my giant Mac monitor because. I didn't want anyone in our office space to walk past and think that I was watching something that I shouldn't be watching in a work environment, particularly when there are other people in the room. It might have just because I was in, I was you know, I was the boss for that week as well mm. because you were on holiday. I'd have looked like I was just making all of my workers very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so I made this as small as I possibly could, and even then, I thought it was a bit too big. Did you get you got a bit of a rosy cheek? I, I felt like yeah. I did. I really wanted to try and get through this as quickly as possible. Yeah, but, but well, it's only five minutes. 15-year-old me thought it was terrific because yeah. I was a big fan of Trish. Big fan of Trish. Big fan of Lita. In, you know, in, in a 15-year-old way would. And I was quite taken by Stacey Keebler's legs uh, and, and the rest of her, of course, and Tori Wilson. Tori and Stacey were the only women that WWF hired from the WCW contracts that they had available to them. And sto uh, story, story, Stacy and Tori mm. were not trained wrestlers. They didn't want to be trained wrestlers either. They were ring girls. That's what they wanted to do. The first thing they signed them to do was get wrestling training because we want you to be wrestlers. So you sign them for, to do the one thing they don't want to do, and then you make them strip in front of everyone uh, in front of a, you know fifteen thousand people. Wrestling, wrestling, two thousand one. Oh. It was acceptable at the time. <coughs> Do you know what yeah. Tori's first storyline was in WWF? So it was before this this one. Yes. So so this like this was early early doors WCW. Like come like Shane had just bought yeah. WCW. So some of them would sometimes just show up on WWF programming. It was Tori Wilson flirting with Vince. Of course it was. And it was her and Vince trying to find a secret area this is on smackdown by the way had to try and find an empty area among the building where they wouldn't be disturbed so they could get down to business because tory wanted to blow him and vince wanted to oblige mm. so they would get into an area and then like someone would pop up and say like oh hey vince i really it's like usually austin was like vince i need to talk to you and they're like you know and so eventually they find a spot and Tori gets him to pull his pants down. You get this close-up of Vince being like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for you, Tori. And then it pulls back, and Linda McMahon is stood in front of him. And it was a ruse all along set up by Tori Whoa. to get Linda to see Vince being um, 
uh, trying, that is trying a to cheat. Bucket of cold water, isn't it? Isn't it just? <laughs> and the idea of because this was back in the day when the storyline was going to be that Vince and Linda were getting a divorce, and in the 50-50 settlement, Vince got WWF. And Linda got WCW and she gave it to Shane. Right. Or like Shane kind of got it. And that's how, the, that's how the companies would split. And they would have their own separate TV shows and have their own separate touring schedules. Yeah. But instead we got this. Yeah. We got Tori and Stacey in a tag team bra and panties match. The rules of this match, if you're unfamiliar, are to strip down both of your opponents to their bra and panties. Yes. Cole is uncomfortably gross in this match. Yep. Uh, JR is also trying his best. Yeah. Saying, oh, smart son of a gun Mick Foley being in the... Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention. Yeah, Mick Foley's a special guest referee again. Yeah. Apparently, they said that the deal he had signed, he was going to be the referee for the refs match, but he hit the clause in his contract. He got to pick one other match to be the referee for, and this was the match he picked, which is why JR calls him a smart son of Mm. a bitch. JR does have a great line there, and it's really made me laugh, where he goes, I researched for this match by watching the Briscoes versus the Funks, so I know what moves not to call. <laughs> That's a shoot. <laughs> it's a shoot. Uh, the, the, oh, there's a sign in the crowd that says, I want to see puppies. Uh, so very applicable there. Yeah, but, yeah, Jerry's not with us now. Yeah, but the, the guy who had all the, the referee names, mm-hmm. he had another sign <gasps> for this man. Really? That just says, can I buy you a sandwich? <laughs> And I, th- I think this guy who's holding up the signs, he's the sort of person that knows all the names of the referees, thinks it's funny to take a different sign for each referee and hold them up during those matches. I think he's genuinely saying, look, I don't want you to starve yourselves to maintain this impossible body image. Let me buy you a sandwich. I think this is a good guy. He, I think we know, could be friends with this sign guy. This guy would have been a superstar if Twitter was real. If yes. Twitter was invented at this point, everyone would be talking about this guy and being like, look how funny this guy's signs are. You know, like now there's the people who are having the, the Final Fantasy VIII war via signs. Because there was a guy that had oh, a sign yes, that said Final yeah. Fantasy VIII sucks and someone took another sign saying, no, Final Fantasy VIII is good. He was back at another pay-per-view saying the Darkwing Ducks sucks. So I've, I've got beef with him. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's no women's champion at the moment either because um, China's left the company. She mm. left the company at Judgment Day, which came after WrestleMania. Um, excuse me, but she wouldn't actually. So she left the company in May, and they vacated the title shortly thereafter in November. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on the. Um, the Who gives f- a crap? It's a Survivor Series. They have like a women's scramble match to um, to crown the new women's champion. It's so kind of a shame that, that China wasn't around for the invasion, really. There's a, actually, I'd she say, could have beaten DDP. Well, yeah, exactly. Everyone else was. There's quite a few people that I'm sad weren't around for the invasion. Triple H is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Michaels Trips is the another one. one. Um, Benoit's not around for the whole invasion because he got injured at King of the Ring and just missed the whole thing. Rock's in and out. Rock's, yeah, Rock does not back to, he's not back to a SummerSlam. Um, and he's yeah, he'd have been great from like day one to be around for this. So there's quite a few names that are missing for this show, which again... Probably shouldn't have done this show at this point. Mm. Pro- probably should have waited. Yeah, God, I, I sort of forgot about Rock and Triple H not being here. Yeah, Triple H isn't back to WrestleMania. It should be huge. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the... And I've got another thing for you. Lita and Trish 
Now the best is best for business. Oh God, you're right. It's they the are the formation of that team. So I ran a poll recently <laughs> on uh, the Friday news when uh, WWE announced that Roman and the Undertaker had a, they got a tag team name for their Extreme Rules match, where they were the Graveyard Dogs. Should be the Underdogs. Well, yeah, quite. And I said that's a terrible name. But let's have a poll. What is the worst tag team name in recent memory out of the Graveyard Dogs, Kabuki Warriors, Viking Experience, or the Besties Best for Business? Besties won a landslide with like mm. 60% of the votes. It's bad. It is bad. Oh, it is bad. Um, and this isn't great either. Um, Stacey loses her top like basically immediately. She tries to cover up and run away. I've got too many notes for this. I'm um, glad you have. Because I, <laughs> I, I haven't got many notes at all. Uh, but I, I, try, I made an attempt to keep track of who was losing what items of clothing. Good man. And it starts off, Lita pulls off Stacey's shirt first. Yes. And then I've just written, yellow bra. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of it. That's, that's all I've got. Yep. I think that, that, that's when my, my eyes stop looking at my notes and just at the match. Anyway, um, Stacey takes off Lita's top, I believe. Then Lita starts using her shirt to give Stacey a snapmare. And like Michael Cole, he says, I don't know why I'm calling wrestling moves. Mm. And I don't know why I'm noting them down either. Um, Trish gets the hot tag, I guess. Tori stands on her hair. Trish gets her top taken off. She does a roll through and she takes off Tori's trousers. That was actually quite impressive. It's nice, yeah. Well, you know, Trish is a pretty good worker by this point. Trish and Lita work together to take off Tori's top. So they're now winning, I guess, because Tori's... She's down to both her bra and panties. Um, and then we get the moon top by Lita to Stacey. They take off her trousers and win. I've written here, well, that was that. Yeah, so the, the, the clothes standings, if you lost track there... Trish and Lita are both topless, only wearing bras, but they've got trousers on or mm -hmm. pants in America. Yes. And Tori and Stacey are only wearing bras and pants. So a convincing win by Team WWF in this. And do you know what I like? I like Mick Foley, the true gentleman, just starts giving back the women their clothes after the match. Mm. He's like, please put this back on. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a dark... A dark time, a blemish <laughs> on our gender's name. Trish, did you see Trish nearly fall off the stage as well? No. She's so used to obviously just being a flat stage and there's the big V gap in the middle. So she's just walking backwards and she literally falls and Lita grabs her. She feels her fall oh, and like grabs her and swings her around. That would have been perfect. She like proper saves the day with that. Um, Brian Alvarez would say of the match, I'm not sure even how to call this match. Trish did a drop kick early. Not a good one, mind you, but she tried. She could try anything she wants. Five-star match. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Meltzer would say, it was what you'd expect. Mainly women tearing off each other's clothes. Match was long enough to where they actually tried some wrestling between the clothes ripping, and that was predictably awful. No <laughs> stars from Dave Meltzer. <laughs> and Wade Geller would say, not embarrassing. Enough titillation to satisfy the crowd. No rating. Look, just like the refs match... The, which which was a, an absolute home run in what it set out to do. I suppose this was also, for what it was meant to do, was done perfectly. Yeah. And I enjoyed it guiltily. Yes. But unfortunately, it's frowned upon these days. It's frowned upon these yeah. days. So the ECW and WCW team get hyped up. If you're keeping track, we're now tied 
in the in the scores mm. of the very the very important scores here. We're now tied. Steph is screaming so loudly in this segment. Oh yeah. And then we cut to Austin staring into space. And Vince walks up and sits down next to him and he's like, Steve, we need to win this match. And Austin said he's gonna whip somebody's ass because that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And I was like, Yes. Oh, I love you, babyface mm. Steve Austin. I can't wait to see your long run again as a babyface Steve Austin. Little did I know. I didn't realize this because I forgot about the whole hug motivation, but I've noted down here, Austin says he's not here to hug anybody. Yes. Because that's what he wants. He wants hugs from Vince. When he turned heel, that's what he wanted. He liked to hug Vince. And he would just hug him and like just stare, this mad-eyed stare. Like, he, he lost his mind. Austin had gone bananas. He'd lost his complete mind. And he liked to get hugs from Vince. Mm-hmm. And that's the motivation for him turning heel later on in this match. I wouldn't have booked it. <laughs> no, to be honest, neither would I. I, I wouldn't have done it either. <clears throat> but it is time for the inaugural brawl. It's the team representing... Inaugural w- brawl. It's inaugural the- brawl. It's the team representing WCW and ECW, DDP, Booker T, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys versus Team WWF. Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Kane, and The Undertaker. Oh, and you better believe there's a video package. Now on WCW, Shane McMahon has fought WCW right from under his father. The WCW invasion is on. Are you afraid of this? lines have been drawn. Are you afraid of competition? Shane Like this 
WCW-ECW combination. We've never had that kind of threat. Steve. Steve, I need your help. This Sunday at Invasion, in the inaugural brawl, it's our five best against their five best and their very best. Stone Cold Steve Austin ain't at his best anymore, now is he? Starting tonight, we ain't taking this no more. It is up to every one of you to take out the WWF forever. Yeah! There's no shame in going out and fighting and getting your ass kicked. The line in the sand has been drawn. There's no going back. Hey, after this Sunday, there is no tomorrow. But there's no honor. You're not fighting at all. Are you with us? An amazing video package. An amazing video package that makes this seem so worthwhile. Does it? I loved it. Did you not like it? Well, again, it's it's just coloured by this shouldn't be the story. I know that. <laughs> I. It's remarkable how much time is spent on Steve Austin going emo. Oh, yeah, totally. Stone Cold, come back! I need you, Stone Cold! Ah, you wouldn't have got this in the audio format. Maybe go and watch the, the this promo on YouTube. Because he gen- there's long shots of him drinking by himself in a bar. Yeah. It's one show, by over the way. His one decisions. episode of Raw. It's, and it's just, he's having this crisis of confidence. And you know what? That isn't a bad story. This is all, like, actually quite good stuff. I like the idea of Austin wrestling with himself and what to do and then eventually turning on Vince because, you know, he's always hated Vince. Yeah. It makes actually more sense for him to side with WCW and ECW. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, because after this sort of heel run since WrestleMania X7. That's the one, yeah. Yep. So that's all good. It's just not. This isn't the time. It's not the time to be just focusing on the McMahon Austin storyline when you have got Team WWF versus WCW. And like they have the moment when they they have like the rallying cry for Team WWF that's led by, I think, Bradshaw and The Undertaker and classy Freddie Blassie. They can't hear him out. Stand up! Stand up and be filled with WWF spirit. It's quite hokey, but I quite like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that, good. That's, the, that's the promo that fires Austin up. 
and he slams down the Snooki Q. And WCW are somehow outnumbering the WWF guys. I don't really know how. But um, the old the old Stone Cold returns, and it's so the awesome. One of the Cold. best Raw moments ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he comes out, and it's so awesome. His like the glass shatters, and he storms to the ring, and the crowd goes ballistic. And it's at this point you should have thought, well, let's not turn him heel, because <laughs> <laughs> the crowd are so maybe people will start buying tickets for the house shows again if we just keep him as a babyface. Because that heel turn was an error. And yet, they stuck to their guns and went with this very, very silly direction. Yeah, and uh, of all the times to turn in babyface, because it's only, what, three About months, three months from after from... the heel turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think this is a big enough thing to justify him turning face again for a long time. And, you know, turn Kurt heel. Like, the Kurt feels passed over by Stone Cold. Yeah. Because, you know, it was it, it, like Kurt was here. He was ready to lead WWF, but you still wanted Stone Cold. Yeah. And do, do it that way. Yeah. Uh, figure four would say it, what an awesome video package airing the highlighted great moments in the WWF versus WCW versus ECW war. It was so great that it made me think that the angle had been stretching on for years. It's been three weeks. So this, this, the whole idea that this is about the WWF WCW war. Name me a WCW moment from that video package. Yeah, a good point. Where they're winning. And um, Shane buys WCW. Is that in this video package or is that at the start of the show? Is. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. I think that is at the start this, of this yeah, video, video package. Yeah, the video package, yeah. Yeah, but, but technically Shane McMahon is WWF. So I'm well, not no, going to count. WCW now, isn't he? I'm not going to count that. <laughs> Um, what would have been, perhaps this is hard to put you on the spot for this, but do you think you could have had like an ideal lineup for who you'd Ooh. have had for Team WWF versus Team, team just Team WCW without the ECW stuff? Because as you say, yeah, that should yeah. have come six months into this. Yeah, okay. So for WWF, obviously Rock, Stone Cold, Kurt, Taker and Triple H. I think. Oh, interesting. I've got almost the exact same lineup, but yeah. I haven't got Triple H because I, I thought he was injured at this point. So I put. Oh, if I could have anyone. If I you mean, could have, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. could have anyone, I think that's a really good shout because I've, I've written Kane as, right. as the other name. But yeah, with the, I've got the same lineup there. And your Team WCW? Bear team in mind, it's like WCW. Team WCW from the 2000s of what that company yeah, was left yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, not Hulk, obviously. Well, actually, yeah, Hulk Hogan yeah. Would, should be in there. I'd, yeah. Ignoring the fact that Hogan kind of like fell out with WCW and was they were suing each other. So yeah, ignoring that. So Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, DDP, Booker T, Scott Steiner. Yeah. Maybe. Because I would have had Kevin Nash and whoever else. Scott Hopefully Hall. Scott Hall, yeah. Yeah. In a tag match later yeah, on. To be honest, I'm not too far off you. I've got Booker, Jarrett, Sting, Flair and Steiner. And the only oh Sting oh yeah 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 Sting should be in there over Booker T I'd say and the only reason I've got I haven't got Hogan in there is because I've written down DX versus NWO should have been on the card Mother Effer Goldberg oh my God I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> yeah both of us forgot Goldberg Flair Hogan Sting Goldberg Booker T. He is champion, but like I just I love DDP. I, you know what, Booker T. 
it's yeah. more important to have an African-American there at, at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who uh, Team WCW is or the Alliance at this point? It's not. They don't even say WCW or ECW. Like after, after this show, that's pretty much done. They just become mm. the Alliance. Do you know what the lineup was for the Alliance at, by Survivor Series? No, tell me. It was Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, and Shane McMahon. Yeah. Team WWF was uh, Jericho, Kane, Rock, Undertaker, and Big Show. Yeah, it's yeah. the Nexus. <laughs> um, anyway, Shane's out first. Uh, his music brings the wrong reaction out of me now. Like, yeah. he came, I was like, oh, God, Shane's here again. Um, Stephen Heyman come out next time with Steph. Just, oh, it was like it was done to annoy me. Being announced as the owner of ECW while Heyman is stood next to her. Oh, that annoyed me. This is a weird order, by the way. So, yeah, it's those first. Then it's Vince. Then it's the Dudleys. Yeah, this is... Then it's Undertaker and Kane. Kane. And then it's Rhino. It's so weird. And then, yeah. And then it's Jericho. So it's like each side is taking turns for people coming out. Which is actually what they do now on Raw. Like, in between the ad breaks, they bring out, like, the big baby face. They bring out Finn Balor. And then the Revival and Robert Roode get their entrances in the ad break. And then mm. the Usos get their entrance because they're teaming with Balor. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know what? I, was, I will say this. It's really nice to see Rhino in the mix. Like, because he felt like he was a guy that was being elevated to this position. Yeah, and yeah. I really appreciate that because he was getting quite a big push at this time. And he would get a push into the summer as well. Like, he goes into his big feud with Jericho. And he essentially becomes Stephanie McMahon's pick. And, like, Heyman is so behind him. He's the final ever ECW champion. He was the final ever television champion. And he's there screaming, like, gore, gore. They were putting the gore over. Mm. So huge. It's that moment where uh, Rhino gored um, Jericho through the SmackDown stage. Some really, really good moments there. So I actually really like uh, Rhino being in this, this sort of main event mix. Yeah. And, and he feels like he belongs. Yeah, as as a kid watching this, I was obsessed with the gore. Yeah. And that's totally because they protected it so much and built Rhino up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then Booker T comes out and JR says, and I quote, he's no Ric Flair, he's no Sting. And I'm like, oh, bloody hell, way to Come bury on. your lead heel there. Essentially saying, sorry, he's rubbish, folks. It's uh, the best we could do. But the, and he's got two belts. Yeah, he's the United States champion And as well. I just thought, there are so many belts knocking around on this show. It just makes them all look like, you know, they always say, oh, the belts are prop. Like, yeah. Yeah, it really looks like it now. There's a moment later on in this feud uh, the the Alliance WWF feud where Mick Foley is miserable with life and he hates being part of this company hates being part of this whole angle and it almost felt like they just gave him a microphone and said like just go out there and air your grievances just come out there and bury this whole thing because he goes out and he says there are so many belts in this company and at this point everyone has won every one of the belts and he's like if you don't have a belt in this company right now you're rubbish mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, superstar reaction for Kurt Angle, though. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Amazing. I remember being so surprised at this back in the day because, for me, not watching the product week to week, I'm like, Kurt Angle's a heel. He's a bad guy. But he comes out and gets this superstar reaction. I think that promo did absolute wonders for him with this crowd on this evening. Oh, but it was the build yeah. to, to it as well yeah, over yeah, yeah. the weeks. I, Kurt, like, like I said at the start, I adored Kurt Angle as a heel. He was my favorite uh, because I was I always preferred the bad guys. And when he turned face 
and he was getting these big reactions. It was almost like, see, I was telling you all. Like, I, I felt so attached to him. Cathartic. Yeah, and seeing him come out to those cheers and no you sucks yet. Nope. I, I love I love him. I love oh. him, I love him, I love him. Poor old DDP, though. No reaction for DDP yeah, whatsoever. Taker just comes out and just starts beating him up straight yep. away. And a brawl breaks out while we wait for the Austin pop. And the Austin pop eventually comes. He just runs down to the ring and wipes everyone out. And this chaotic action breaks down into a tag match. <laughs> yeah, uh, Austin rolls Rhino into the ring. That sort of starts the match. Low, bro, low blow right in front of the ref as we kick things off. And then, like, you know... Fair enough, whatever. The referee's leniency or, or what have you. Um, Angle's got loads of intensity, and I love this version of Kane. Yeah, Kane got a huge pop when he got in. Yeah, huge Because pop. It, it, he was like that protected red, big red machine where it just well, gets in yeah. chokeslams. Taker and Kane at this point were not taking bumps for people and or losing. <laughs> so, like, they were just, yeah, they were just there to, of course, they were going to get good reactions. So, I've got a note here that says, such a shame they're fighting against the Dudleys. And as much as I love the Dudleys, and you know they're the, a great tag team, but they have been in WWF for a long time now. Yeah, two years at this point. But yeah, but it was like two big years. Two, oh yeah, no, no, I wasn't saying that. Yeah, so, I wasn't yeah. saying that to go against you. I was saying two years is a long time. And I feel like if you've got the Dudleys in there, and everyone else is, you know, proper singles main eventers, you need a, another team of that caliber, like an Edge and Christian or a Hardys, on Team WWF. Because Taker and Kane are single stars. No, they're a tag team at this point. Yeah, I know, I know, but they're single stars, really, that are a tag team. I see, okay, so it, so just, saying, it just yeah. feels a bit lopsided to me. It makes the alliance look even weaker. Well, they do become tag team champions shortly after this. I think they win the WCW tag belts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. No. Everyone gets belts. Um, th this is all team WWF at the start of this world. Mm. They're just beating up their heels hither and yonder. Um, like they, the Dudleys like hit the 3DB on Kane to get some heat, but oh no, wait, it's okay. Kane's back on top, and <laughs> what a surprise! The Undertaker is dominating too. Um, Rhino so quick. Forget how quick Taker used to be. Ba, 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 yeah. ba. and running on the ropes, and like yeah. when he bounced off the Bro. ropes, the ropes like almost come oh, out. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely, it's amazing. Rhino gets a little bit of offense in, but DDP tags in, and he tries to pin the Undertaker with a clothesline, and Jr. is very upset about mm. that. You sound disrespectful. Uh, huge reaction when Austin tags in on Booker T and they battled towards the crowd a little bit and there's a point where I can see some people in the crowd taking photos with disposable cameras oh wow and what a nostalgia beat for me that I was like oh do you remember when you'd have to buy it? You'd, you'd want to buy a disposable camera if you were going to go to a show you want to take your actual camera there and waste a bit of film buy a disposable camera because there'll be someone outside who's selling them for like two quids the only times I see disposable cameras now are ironically at weddings. <laughs> yeah. We just gave out selfie sticks. Yeah. Yeah. A much cheaper way of doing it, actually. <laughs> They're very cheap. Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, to be honest, I, just, I got so focused on nostalgia. My next note is heat on Jericho. What? <laughs> Not by who, just <laughs> heat well, on Jericho. He, he tried to get the walls in twice, and the crowd went nuts for a Walls of Jericho attempt. Just at another show of how over moves were yeah. back then which is so good uh, another point of the pro wwf commentary making me hate the good guys is that jr goes on this tirade where he says i like seeing sports entertainment that's what i like to mm. see that's my style i don't want to go back to the antiquated style of wrestling of wcw or the career shortening style of ecw oh, i God. like sports entertainment 
And I'm like, you are making me hate that. You're making me hate a team with Austin, Undertaker and Kane on it. And it's the cardinal sin of wrestling promos. You're burying your opposition. So they look crap and you don't get anything if you beat them. Yeah. Because you've got the su- yeah, you're superior anyway. Yeah. And if you lose, which you did, you just look rubbish. Uh, the, yeah, it's, it, this really feels like an episode of Raw that is actually the go-home show to the pay-per-view. Yeah, I can. I feel that. Just because you know, they do it all the time where, oh, we've got all these these big matches, let's chuck all the people in one big yeah. tag to, to as the go-home thing. Yeah. And like, you can have a big brawl. So, like, it was almost as if it would have been Chris Jericho versus Rhino, Undertaker yes. and Kane versus the Dudley totally. Boys, and Booker T versus Austin in, like, the you know, WWF champion versus WCW yeah. champion as the main events. But that, that isn't what happened. You know, obviously that isn't what happened. And just that, and that that it's not an elimination. No, I think harms this as well because it just goes on forever with no real stakes. Like I didn't. It's a half hour long match, and the show has no stakes either. Yeah. So this main event doesn't feel like it has a lot of stakes. I, I felt, I felt, I found it quite repetitive. Yeah, no, I, I can get on board with that, and um, and really, it's. I didn't like the the finish much either. I, I like the sort of chaotic nature of it, but I really like Angle gets the hot tank, but the ref doesn't see it. So that's meant to give you like all the, the big sort mm. of WCW heat. But it almost feels like someone said to them, "Go to the finish," because then Taker just gets in anyway and just starts beating everyone up, and then Kane gets in, and then everyone gets in apart from Austin, who just stands on the apron. And it's a, it's really weird. He's yeah. just standing there watching everything happening. You're like, why aren't you in the ring? And then eventually he jumps off the ring and pretends like he's hurt, like he's like catching his breath, waiting for Booker T to come around and do some spots with him. Yeah. It, I mean, that kind of actually makes sense with the the turn at the end. But, it, yeah, it still doesn't... That that's not good storytelling because you want that to be a swerve. That's exactly because it Austin just makes you notice. Austin it. sort of goes down with this injury, and the referee's attending to him. So like, do that bit first, and then have sort of like the big breakdown yes. things. That makes sense then why Austin isn't in the mix with everyone. Uh, but then everything breaks down when this is going on. Rhino gores Booker T by accident, which is a spot that like, everyone kind of ignores. Take a choke slams DDP. He goes to give him the last ride, but Charles Robinson gets in there. Referee Charles Robinson. Yeah, and Taker gives him the last ride. Holy hell, I was Oof. so scared for poor Charles there. And then Taker and DDP, of course, they've got the existing feud. They brawl in through the crowd and you never see them again. It's like Maven and Taker at a Royal Rumble. <laughs> Austin is selling his knee now yep. because he was whipped into the steel steps by Booker T, who was just gored. <laughs> I know we said that that, was, that move was protected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Dudleys are getting a table, but Kane chokeslams Devon through the announcer's table. Bubba and Rhino team up to suplex Kane through the Spanish announcer's desk. And then Rhino's just walking along after that, and Jericho runs off the apron and tackles him through another table oh, that's just great. set up that's that sequence there yeah. was awesome that was really fun um and then angle that then it's it's bubba and booker in the ring against angle he's yeah. outmatched and credit to the commentary at this point they are putting over that the legal men in this match at this point are booker and angle mm. they're very like, they're putting that over they mention it every couple of minutes but like booker t and angle are the legal men doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. They're the legal men in the ring. Yeah, and then Angle just runs wild. He has a great babyface comeback. Triple down. Everyone's down. And Vince slides the WWF title to Angle to use. But Shane McMahon, really quick. This was like a really yeah, yeah. well-done spot in terms of timing. Runs in. 
grabs the belt. Vince is already in the ring by this point, and Shane hits Vince with the, the title, but Angle starts punching Shane out the ring, and then he, like, throws Bubba Ray out as well. Angle slam on Booker T, locks in the ankle lock, but there's no referee. Booker's tapping. Yeah, so uh, immediately tapping. So Austin gets gets up, he throws the referee in, he gets in, but there's not even a slight bit of uh, sort of tension because he just kicks Angle right away, stunners him, puts Booker on Angle and forces the referee to count. Yeah, WCW ECW win. The commentators are not happy about this, but the crowd don't know really how to react to it because they don't boo it like it's a heel turn. They just stop cheering. Yeah. And then there are times when Austin's then celebrating with the title, there are people who are cheering Austin, but not cheering that he turned heel and let WCW win. Hmm. It doesn't really work. I don't think it comes off that well. But going by crowd reaction, it didn't work. Yeah. And then Booker T's music plays because he's the one that got the pinfall. <sighs> but that quickly stops. And Austin's music is the one that's playing. And it's, it seems like every Attitude Era pay-per-view huh. we've done with Austin on the card, he's always standing tall at the end, regardless of if he wins or loses, or if he's even in the match. Yeah, because he lost this match. Yeah, he did lose this match, but he is celebrating like he won. Uh, Which technically he did, because he won it for mm, the team he was joining. So Shane, Stephanie, and Heyman are all in the ring with Austin. They share some beers, and JR's just yelling, why, Austin, why? The WWF champion is now with WCW. I just, like, look, I don't hate the idea of Austin turning again. Mm. I just, it just shouldn't have been now. No, it really shouldn't have been now. Again, this is something that should happen two years from this event. It should, like, here's my perfect timeline. Right now, you get WWF versus WCW, and it's all singles matches, Mm -hmm. like I said earlier. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Survivor Series. Or tag matches. Uh, no, I think this is your first big invasion pay per view. You don't do, you you don't do your stuff like Austin versus Goldberg yet, but no. you you have like Goldberg versus Rock maybe. Yeah, you no, know, huge matches. Oh yeah, but totally. not the, the, the matches, the dream interpromotional matches. What I meant was like tag match, like you'd have the tag teams, like oh yeah, the yeah. Hardy Boys versus the Steiner Brothers or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. And then at Survivor Series, then you have a proper five-on-five WCW-WWF elimination match. And then that comes to WrestleMania. And then you have the huge dream matches, which is Rock versus Hogan, Austin versus Goldberg, uh, Flair versus... Who would you put Flair against? Flair versus... Sting versus Undertaker, obviously. Yeah, Sting versus Undertaker. Flair versus Michaels, if Michaels was around. Flair versus Triple H. Flair versus Triple H, yeah, yeah. So, And then the night after that, ECW debut. Yeah, And you just pay for ECW to keep running, bubbling away in the background. It also would have helped you get through, because you know they were going through some like court cases with this at the moment, because they were using ECW and like all of its branding and stuff when they weren't allowed to, because that all those trademarks mm. belong to the courts, because ah. Heyman had declared himself bankrupt, right. which he didn't tell Vince when he sold him the, like, you know, the ECW stuff. So they weren't actually allowed to use those three letters. But their argument was ECW was a couch that had been left in the streets that no one wants. So why didn't you just let us use it? (laughs) That's why even if WWE are in the wrong, folks, 
they will legally destroy you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so you have ECW. Then you run that through to another year cycle of till WrestleMania. And then that's when you bring in the, the McMahon family drama. Yep. And then about six months after that, that's when Austin sides against Vince. Yeah. And so that's like, you know, this, this is three years of stuff here. And, this was... and it was shortened into one night. Exactly. And really, this is over in four months. WCW versus WWF is over in four months' time, which is just baffling. Absolutely baffling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, if you can hear me sort of like typing, it's because I suddenly realized I forgot to get the uh, recaps of, uh, this <laughs> of the main event. Of the main event. Well, that's only because, as we said, I was I literally just finished oh, watching yeah, of course. this. Yeah. So um, I've got uh, the... I was really hoping you were going to go a bit longer with your dream... Uh, pitch scenario so do you want to carry on with that a little bit oh damn uh, uh no whenever you ask me to stall for time i can't do it oh, you're doing a perfect job of it right now because uh, i'm nearly there so i'm just gonna keep talking i'm done yeah um so and like do you know what looking back at this the the recaps of this and the analysis of this does this sound like the the like the recaps and the analysis of a match there is WWF versus WCW. So what Dave Meltzer would say, everyone worked hard and this was good, but not the caliber of most WWF main events. Three and a half stars. Also, this person's attire was slightly different. <laughs> Brian Alfreds would say, as a match, this was very good. Three and three quarter stars. Like, very good. Mm. As a match. You know, it was what it was. Um... Like, Wade Keller doesn't even have anything. He says, okay action without anything spectacular. Two and three quarter stars. Wow. (laughs) Wade, I can't figure him out. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Looking back on this pay-per-view is kind of like a closing final thoughts thing. I knew it was a botched storyline, as we all do. Yeah. And a complete, you know, the biggest missed opportunity in the history of wrestling. But I, I had fond memories of Invasion as a pay-per-view. Mm. It's not a good pay-per-view. It's actually a very bad pay-per-view with one good match on. It's exactly as they were saying in the dirt sheets at the top of this episode way back when, is this was a match that was built around... It was a, it was a main event show. It was built around one match, the inaugural brawl. And really, at the end of the day, the, the hardcore match is the, the shining light of this. Without that, it would have been a terrible undercard and a slightly boring main event. As it stands, it's a underwhelming undercard with one standout match and a boring main event. And, especially with all these years of hindsight, what was that, 18, 17 years of hindsight yep. now? Just terrible, terrible booking. Oh, yeah. Hot shot. All the mistakes. All the mistakes you can possibly make. Hot shotting, no stakes. Yeah. When you think... WWF versus WCW and ECW. Raven versus William Regal is not one of those dream matches I would put on a pay-per-view. It, it's not. It's, I, and I love both those guys. But that's not like, man, cannot wait till we can see that, that match between William Regal and Raven. Who? So Raven, just imagine he was still in ECW right until the invasion, our, our invasion version. Who would you put him against in WWF? I mean, I'd have had him in that main event mix because he should have been a part of that sort of like main event ECW scene. Because that's the thing. Is as soon as they, esta- they brought in ECW, they established them all as the mm. mid-carders. 
As well, I mean, they established the same with WCW, I guess. But he should have been in more of a mix. But just, just if there was a singles match with a then WWF star, who would you put Raven against? Oh, it's tough. It really would it be is. Taker? No, because that would have been a squash match. Taker would have killed just, him. Just, just, it doesn't matter how it would have gone out. Just like. I'm trying to think, was there feud. like, would WWF have sort of like a, a cult style leader or someone who was just like pure white meat baby face yeah. that Raven really could have like manipulated mm. some of his friends around to kind of create this sort of like, you know, new, like if he'd have convinced some WWF guys to come into his <laughs> flock. There was no white meat baby faces at this time. <laughs> I suppose This was not. the attitude era. Yeah, you're right. I suppose. Yeah, I don't really know on that front mm. then. That's a, that's a good question. Albert, I guess. <laughs> um, Intercontinental champion. Hey, uh, actually, it would have been a massive step up for him in terms of his standards in WWF. So, yeah, as a show, I, it, it's got a really boring middle stretch. Uh, I was really woken back up again by the hardcore match between mm. RVD and Hardy. Um, and the main event was a schmoz. I think that the end, the finish is shocking with Austin coming, turning heel because at the time I didn't see it coming. But that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Just because it's unpredictable doesn't mean it's good. And I think that this was the wrong move at the wrong time. And this pay-per-view was the wrong move at the wrong time. They, there's, the, there's a saying as well. Uh, you make, make a mistake once, that's fine. Or yeah. fool me twice, then you're an idiot. And they made the same mistake with Austin as they did three months before. Oh, like, yeah. sure. Oh, that's it. Like, the, the Albert Einstein one of trying the same thing over and over again is insanity. Yeah. Like, sure, you, you, you made what I think is actually a bold, creative decision to turn Austin heel at WrestleMania. I respect them for that. But it was, it was the wrong decision. Yeah. You can change it now. And they did the exact same mistake. And Austin always says in his podcast as well, he said, hindsight 2020, we shouldn't have done the heel turn at WrestleMania. So... You, you had that power of hindsight when you got to the invasion. Mm. So surely you wouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it there either. Yeah. So, yeah, I, and I think it kind of puts a bit of a, a damper on it. But that, my friends, Ooh. is WWF Invasion 2001. It's finally in the books. I, I'm, I'm surprised we didn't do this last year. I would have thought this would have been one of our first sort of calling mm. cards for um, doing Wrestle Ramble Extra. But next month is August, so those people who are hoping we don't do anything WWF related are going to be upset when they find out that it's SummerSlam. So, but not two that we've done two. We've done two. We've done uh, yeah, SummerSlam two thousand. No, we've only done SummerSlam two thousand. Um, Why o2, did I watch Triple H Shawn Michaels? Because they did it on something to wrestle. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So, yep, SummerSlam's going to be the big one, but. Yeah, I mean, maybe we won't get... If you are so adamant to not have any WWE or WWF pay-per-views, you better start selecting some that aren't. Or and canvassing support. And canvassing support for it. Get your, get your names out there. Get your names heard. What do they call it in the current conservative... Uh... Lying. <laughs> it's like husting. Do you know what? No, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a word that only pops up around elections. In the, Ameri hustings? In the Americas, they would call it a, a whipping. They would, like, yeah. you're whipping people up. Ah, yeah, hustings. A meeting at which candidates in an election address potential voters. Ah, okay, yeah. there you go. So you need to go hust yourselves and, uh, yeah, get out there and get your votes heard. 
But thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you so much for voting. And thank you, most importantly, for being a pledge hammer on Patreon. I had a lot of fun doing this pay-per-view with you, Oliver Davis. That was a good one. It was, it's nice to be back after a month. Yeah, well. I really enjoyed this one. So thank you so, so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.